Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 108, Renly's Peach, with Justin. I'm Scatty, and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Hello everybody. Uh, many of you probably already know Justin already. If you're on Twitter, you find him there. He's at J81Hunt. Man's intimidating. When I saw Justin in person for the first time, I was a little scared. I thought he could kill me. Um, but after a few minutes, I just wanted to cuddle him too. He's kind of a big teddy bear. So yeah, Justin... teddy bears... Game recognized game. I knew he was a teddy bear. Game recognized game. Yep. <laughs> uh, Justin, thanks for being here, man. How you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hello, Kalisar. Yes, it's time. Let's do this. It is time. It is time. Well, want to just uh, a few announcements real quick. Uh, first of all, Patreon update. Uh, we released our Dogma episode uh, last yeah, we week. Did. Yeah, we that was, did. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, went went some places we haven't gone before, I feel like. Oh. But it was it was it was it was good fun. Kalisar, if you want to hear Davos fingers go places they've never gone before, check out these Patreon episodes. We don't plan them this way. We're no. not like, let's get into some deep stuff. We don't plan them this way, but they end yeah. up being that way. Yeah. I guess thanks, yes. Kevin, for giving us those opportunities. Indeed, Kevin Smith. And Thank maybe the pandemic too for not letting us talk to anyone on a regular <laughs> basis. So when we get together, we we just dive in. Uh, next up on the patron side, there's a lot coming. Actually, um, we're excited yeah. to jump back into I Am Mercury, the series by Grant Piercy, who uh, is a good friend uh, of ours, and um, really excited to go into the second volume of that. We got more fun coming, don't we, Matt? Yeah, that book's called I Am Berlin. Uh, that book too. Yes. We just recommend picking up the whole omnibus. You the can whole buy series, it. which is called I Am Mercury, right? I Am Mercury, the complete omnibus. It's 10 yep. books, I believe. You can yep. buy it on Amazon, or if you don't like the evil megacorp, as Grant calls it, uh, you can also find it at a site called Smashwords, smashwords.com. I went and checked it out today uh, and can confirm that the prices are the same. So go support the slightly less huge company and grab grants series there on digital on kindle that's right that's right uh also for patrons coming up soon we will have a hangout coming sometime this spring date still to be determined yeah uh and of course right around the corner is song of madness <gasps> and and we're gonna have some extra special fun for patrons there too aren't we Matt? yeah it's gonna be awesome so a song of madness is gonna be a little different this year just like it was last year but guess what we're not going to tell you yet. Not just, just yet. It's going to be fun. It's going to be different. But one of the fun things that we are going to do for our patrons this year is we are going to allow our patrons to participate in the seeding. So if you are on Patreon, we're going to be doing a pre-A Song of Madness tournament on Patreon where uh, the top eight, right, Scad? Champions? It's... It's the bottom eight of the one top of the eight. The top eight of our pre Song of Madness tournament will go into the bottom eight of one <laughs> yeah. of our brackets in the main a Song of Madness tournament. Was that confusing yes. enough? <laughs> Basically, you're going to get to pick some of the people that go into the tournament ahead of yes. time. Yes. Yep. So you'll have some say in some of those. 
some people really want some of those minor characters to get in and they just don't quite make the cut when we make the choices. Well, we're going to let patrons decide some of that this year. Yeah, that's one of our biggest, uh, some of the biggest complaints we get every year for A Song of Manus, which we know is all in jest and in good fun, is why yes. didn't you do this person? Why didn't you do this person? Why didn't you do this person? Yes. Well, now we are washing our hands of that whole responsibility and it's <laughs> on you if it. they don't get through. <laughs> we had clamoring for Satin today on Twitter. We had clamoring last week for... Uh, Thoros and Barrack, of course. We get that every year. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what you guys do with it. Yep. All right. So uh, today, getting into the episode, we are going to be covering Davos 2 from Clash Kings. This could also be called Davos 2 of A Song of Ice and Fire General because this is Davos' second chapter. We're really kind of still getting to know him here. Uh, and his relationship with Stannis is, frankly, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of fresh air after watching how the rest of the leaders and the, and the kings and things deal with deal with their advisors uh but there's some rot underneath in that relationship too we'll talk some about that anyway the topics are going to range far and wide here as usual we like to touch on the future uh of kind of what spins out from this chapter and we'll do that today so spoilers will happen for sure it is known it is known and it's also known that uh you can contact us anytime so davosfingers.com we are davosfingers at gmail.com we're on facebook our Twitter handle, where we're always hanging out, is at Davos Fingers. Um, and you can learn more about our Patreon program at patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. That's right. Justin, you ready? We're gonna get we're just gonna dive into some questions for you, man. Get oh, to know man. you. I need to get to know this man better. Fire him. <laughs> Fire him away. We start with the easy one. It's like a free response essay. Who are you, man? What do you do? What drives you? Five hundred words or more. Uh, oh. I don't know if I can make that word count. <laughs> Um, who, who am I? Well, I'm just a guy, uh, who likes the Song of Ice and Fire and lots of other nerd stuff. Uh, I'm a correctional officer and, uh, what drives me? Usually myself to and from work. Oh, uh, other than that, uh, other than that, a lot of coffee, uh, some alcohol and uh, a lot of sarcasm. It's, we, we are cut from very similar cloth, my friend. Yes, you yes. are. <laughs> you, it, you mentioned liking some other nerd things. First of all, mad respect. He's done a better job decorating his house uh, with Ice and Fire, Song of Ice and Fire materials than Matt and I have. He's got a big Baratheon flag in the, well, it's, it's the Burning Heart Baratheon flag yeah. in the back. And also timely. the, timely. The, yes, very timely for the episode. Yes. Got a, a spiked Warhammer above that. We've got, uh, we've got Robert's helm on a dresser behind him as well. So yeah, you're you're what? representing for the podcast tonight. We've got a blade. What uh, what sort is that? Uh, needle. Is that needle? Oh, is that Needle's is that needle? There. Is that needle? Yeah. Nice. nice. It's very nice. Yeah. And uh, another wall in here's got uh, Oathkeeper, and I've got a Stark shield up as well. Oh, that's lovely. Jeez. That that needle blade looked a little bit to me like Arwen's blade from the Lord of the Rings. Tiny bit. I got guitars. You got guitars? I have yeah, one picture Leia. of Leia in the back there. I always think that's funny that you just have that single picture. I have right so there. much stuff waiting around. I bought I bought these awesome pieces of art. Oh, geez, I can't believe I forgot the artist. From uh, Ice and Fire Con that has all the Stark kids with their wolves. Mm-hmm. And I got the frames for them and everything. I just haven't put them up in like two years. It's embarrassing. Well, nice. well so you mentioned nerd yeah. stuff. Yeah. What, like like many people that find our podcast, you're a big fan of Star Wars, and uh, traversing the Legends canon. Like Matt, you found those books early. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, 
dove into those shortly after I uh, kind of started falling out by Star Trek uh, nerddom. Uh, I wanted something different, and uh, I went headlong into them. Uh, I had friends of mine who used to come to me for Star Wars uh, knowledge. And uh, at one point, I wasn't allowed to play Star Wars Trivial Pursuit anymore because I knew too much. <laughs> Star, Star Wars, Wars Trivial Pursuit. I've never Are felt smarter than when I played Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Oh, yeah, Scad. I've never played this. The categories was... are yeah. like, um, there's like ships or something like uh, that. Yeah, I think it, it's characters. been years since I played it, but I think there's like ships, locations. Yeah, yeah like just really random is stuff. Is it all based on the... I played it in high school. Is it all based on the movies or is it is it based on those those Legends books? I think it's all movies. Uh, there were so... It's all movies. I think there was some Legends stuff Ooh, in there cool. uh, at the time. Yeah. I don't <laughs> remember. But... Well, I'm, I know what I'm going to my... uh, Google on the, the evil Amazon uh, <laughs> well, later tonight. Well, yeah, that was a that was an interesting time back when those Legends books were coming out, huh, Justin? It's like because yeah. all you had back then were the three films and yep. action figures. You had nothing else yep. Star Wars out there, right? So, what got you into yeah, the books? Some... How did you find them? And because the uh, internet was wasn't even really of... a thing back then. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Um, I was just a big fan of Star Wars. Um, went to my library, like I said, mm, I yeah. I was actually reading Star Trek books. So, Star Wars, Star Trek, kind of in the same section. <laughs> you so just got to the end of up. Star Trek, and the next thing was Star Wars. <laughs> Star <and> Wars. <laughs> Pretty much. In the sci-fi fantasy right? section. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think the first series that I read was the Heir to the Empire uh, series, yeah. and I was hooked after that. So, at, at one point, I did almost have all the books, and then I gave them away to a good friend who, uh, his kids were really into it, and I wasn't really reading them anymore, and... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, now I kind of wish I had. Now you <laughs> you great your life. Yeah, you never, you never know yeah. when a rereading is going to be a thing. That's not something I did growing up rereading books, but now I'm all about it. I don't know. Yeah. See, I I always say I'm going to reread books, and then uh, it just sits on my shelf, and I have 600 other books that I want to read before I get to my reread. Yeah. Too many new good books. There's, out. Yep. Yeah, there's yeah. always too many. Uh, you're a dad. Got got I got am. two little ones. How you like that? Got two little ones. Uh, it's great. Um, you know, Beth was on the show a couple weeks ago, so we call him Thor and Loki. Um, <laughs> the little one definitely, is definitely, definitely fully Loki. embodies Loki. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's great most of the time. Um, <laughs> sometimes I feel like uh, I'm a little surrounded by unicorns and <laughs> purple and pink, but, uh, you know, my my youngest has a great habit of putting on a princess dress and coming out with a sword or a lightsaber. So <laughs> I could I, I could deal with yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, Aowen feels the same way with our two rambunctious boys. Just, oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. Always wondering what it'll be like. Her sister, her twin sister, of course, has two girls. So oh really? Uh, yeah, little little jealousy on her part too. But then every once in a while she'll have those moments where I just see tears in her eyes about how happy she is with her boys, me included. <laughs> apparently whoa you yeah. should uh you should just trade scott just give one of your boys to <laughs> your sister-in-law and just take one of her girls and then things are even is that like trading hockey sort cards? of <laughs> do people trade hockey cards is that a thing I guess they used to <laughs> only if i've got doubles yeah you know i guess i just i i mean i it's 
ignorant of me, I guess. I never, I never see people with hockey cards or any. Oh man, are you missing out? I mean, I don't know. I mean, my my brother was a big baseball card and basketball card collector growing up, yeah. but uh, I don't know, like not that I thought it died out or anything. I just, I guess, I felt it kind of wasn't a big thing anymore. I got my son some packs of hockey cards as stocking stuffers, and they didn't appeal to him. He's a huge hockey no. fan, but he's just yeah. like, no, oh, these are great. Like, what Paper. do I do? He's like, what do yeah. I do with these? Like. Can I scan this and it plays yeah. a video? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, there's in a world of electronics and video games, like looking at yeah. little tiny pictures of hockey players just isn't as fun anymore, I guess. Yeah, at CN up here every year, usually McDonald's and Tim Hortons throw out a, uh, you know, buy a pack of hockey cards and collect the series. Yeah. So I'm sure I, I, I haven't done that in years, but I'm sure it still does Why happen. Why don't I live in Canada? <laughs> Who's your team, Justin? Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're doing okay right now. Yeah, they're they're looking pretty good yeah. right now. I'm excited for the inevitable so crash that the Maple Leafs. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, they're one of those teams. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but because it's usually the playoffs that they choke in. So you know. I will say this about the Maple Leafs: one of the coolest jerseys in all of sports. I think that that royal blue it, color. It's also with just that. Yeah. white maple leaf it's just a good looking sweater i love those jerseys I, I, I think the crazy thing about them too though is it doesn't matter what rank they play in there's fans there true that mm. right whether they're in the middle of arizona like las vegas they they literally have fans everywhere a lot of toronto transplants then yeah mm. interesting sad people so justin sad people <laughs> speaking of sad people Who's your favorite minor character in all of A Song of Ice and Fire? And, and or the extended Ooh. materials. Fire and Blood, we can go into any of those. Um, I, I do like Mushroom. <laughs> for the simple fact that he comes up with some amazing stories. So but it also leads me to the question of, why did someone write his stuff down if it was just completely absurd? I'm not sure all right. of it's absurd. <laughs> I don't think it is either. Right, and the I, most I honest like that man about in all of Westeros ever. Yeah. yeah. Um. In in the main series, um. Probably have to say. Dolores Ed is definitely up there. Nice. Kind of like Thoros. Chase. Yeah. It's a yeah. good pick. Dolores Ed's a good pick. Uh, solid, solid pick. And, and I do actually really like Courtney Penrose too. Oh. Yes. A man. He's he's enjoyable. Uh Matt, you want to move to your timely pandemic question? Timely pandemic question. You may have already answered this a little bit. You know, in this time of where we can get down on ourselves and get down on the situation the world's in, what brings you joy, man? What's what's your sunshine right uh, now? I love spending time with my family. Oh, uh I, I I really like being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, hanging out with them like tonight we watched uh, the new Mulan movie and mm-hmm. uh, it was great everyone just cuddled up and watched watched the movie and um, hoping we get a bit more snow and maybe we can do some tobogganing and has it been mild there too it's super mild here yeah, yeah. it's been pretty mild uh, we haven't gotten a lot of snow and uh, the last couple of days we've gotten a nice uh, arctic vortex so it's dropped down to like negative 30 celsius with the wind oh gosh yeah 
So you're not even getting the good with the bad. No, no, That's it, just it's cold. gone from one one extreme to the next. Mm. So, jeez. Mm. For all our American listeners, tobogganing is like sledding. Yeah, and negative thirty degrees Celsius is like. Oh, Except gosh. you just go down on your bare ass. Yep. That's that's what uh, <laughs> well, Canadians you call your too. ass is your toboggan. You toboggan. Yeah. And you got to make sure you got your toque on and <laughs> toque. Make Full sure the polar bears get out of the way. Have your supper but ready before when you get back. Yeah. And go to the washroom before you start. Before you put on your snow pants. And make sure you're make sure you're out in a boot. <laughs> the stereotypes are flying high. My favorite stereotypes. Sorry, sorry for the stereotypes. My favorite South. Oh, I got to throw out the stereotypes. My favorite stereotype is from the, the South Park boys that had the Canadian Army rushing to battle with hockey sticks. That was yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, my friends and I used to talk about that in high school. We'd say stupid stuff like, "Hey, let's invade America," because they'd never expect it. It's true. We could send over our our cavalry of uh, polar bears with goalies on it and then we'll send in our you know air support with the canadian geese and they can just poop all over everyone don't make us put up another wall justin we'll do it we'll charge you for it we just stopped building the other one come on we'll we'll just pile snow up and we'll call it a wall all right probably the canadians that would want to put up the wall yes absolutely we wouldn't even have to pay them or do any of the work they're like we'll do it we, we're or, on this one guys don't even worry well no come on we're nicer than that we'd probably we put are. up a hedge so we could kind of still <laughs> still see what was going on but like you're over there you'd be super nice about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally uh this one's this one's tough justin throw out a recommendation for a book or a band a movie tv show something but something you think Maybe people might not know. Something they'll be like, I've never heard of that. I'd like to go check that out. Uh, one of my favorite fantasy series is written by a, a gentleman named R.A. Salvatore. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Drizzt Dordan series. Yeah. Um, Forgotten Realms, right? Uh, yes, Forgotten Realms. I never read it, but I've uh, I stumbled across these books randomly when I was buying books from a library um, sale. Mm-hmm. And I'm really behind on them because I found so many other great things to read. But the, it is really a great series. Drizzt yeah. Gordon, is that what you said? Yeah. yeah, he's one of the most famous characters, kind of now in like D and D lore. Uh, oh, like, yeah, he's a he's a he's stuff. a dark elf that uh, doesn't believe in what the other dark elves do, and then comes to the surface and basically everyone only sees him for his skin color and that he's a dark elf so that means he must be evil oh. and it's kind of yeah so it's kind of his journey through the forgotten realm world and trying to find his place i mean those books are from the, the late 80s early 90s no uh i think that's when it started yeah, yeah. so there's yeah, always like kind of mental social themes not uncommon yeah. in fantasy series no that's cool yeah ari salvatore cool okay. good recommendation love it yeah. All right, we're uh, another. Go ahead. Oh, you got another one? Hit him with us, man. We need. Yeah, more. I got another one. Uh, Terry Goodkind, mm-hmm. also a great fantasy writer. Yes. Um, again, bit behind on that series, but uh, that was a series I literally couldn't put it down. Say the series again. Uh, what's it called? the The author is Terry Goodkind, uh-huh. uh, and it's uh, the first book's called The Wizard's First Rule. 
So I'll call it the Wizards First Rule Series. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it's actually called, but that's what I'm going with. Let's see. Let's see. The Sword of Truth. The Sword of Truth. Hey, were you that's looking at it, it. too? <laughs> I was. I told you we're going to take care of you, Justin. Uh... Taking care of you, man. We got you. I was trying to look at my bookshelf, but I couldn't quite see that far. Published by, content. Published by Tor Books. Oh, we know that name. Yep, we do. The Tor. The Tor. <clears throat> Dorn. All right, Justin, we're about to get into covering this chapter. Why did you choose it? What, what do you love about it? What's What uh, makes your heart sing on this chapter? Uh, I actually chose this chapter because of uh, Courtney Penrose. Beautiful. And... Uh, the first time I ever read this chapter, when I read him throwing his insults around, I, and this is my own headcanon, uh, all it was was the Monty Python and the Holy Grail scene <laughs> where John Cleese is at the top of the castle and throwing insults at uh, King so Arthur. Courtney's yes. French, huh? <laughs> yep. And, and every time up. I read this, every time I read this, that's uh, that's what goes through my head. I realize that's not actually what's written, but I, I totally expect him to yell at uh, Stannis at one point and say, I fart in your general direction. Yes. <laughs> he probably would have if it were just a little longer. Your mother smelt of elderberries. <laughs> your mother was a hamster. Oh, yes, that's it. So, the father, father smelt yeah, of elderberries, right. I think. I feel, so, I feel so dirty now. Get it right, bud. Get it right. Do better. And, and, and I honestly... I honestly wouldn't have been uh, surprised if they uh, threw a cow at them. That's right. So oh, they needed to eat those cows. There's a siege I mean, going on, but yeah. As we'll find out, he threw so many insults. Uh, cows about all he probably had left. Yeah. All right. Well, should we jump into the uh, the chapter summary? Let's do it. Now we're all doing right. it a little different this time, right? Oh yes, that's right. We should tell people as if they're paying attention. <laughs> uh, so. We've been reading the whole chapter summary, then covering a section, then going back to some questions about uh, with our guest, and then and then back to finish the section off. This time, we're going to cover part, do part of the summary, half of it roughly, talk about that half, then move on to some questions, then do the other half of the summary, and so on. So this is half the chapter summary coming at you. Bring it. The walls of Storm's End loom large. The Castellan before them doesn't seem all that impressive. He's balding, older, unarmored. But looks can be deceiving. For they soon find that Sir Courtney Penrose has all the backbone, all the wit, and all the insults needed for a parlay with a king. He gives more than he gets, and he seems to belong with Stannis and Davos more than the ornately armored retinue uh, that they travel with. They joust with words. Sir Cur Courtney open, opening the proceedings by omitting the words, Your Grace... From his, from your his greeting, from his greeting, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a my my mistake. Jeez, Scad. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> the elderberries thing, and not this. I'm just blowing it left and right. <laughs> we and just not call in a good it way. Now. We just call it. Let's <laughs> just let's just end this. I, I just can't read. Whatever, whatever. Sir <laughs> <clears throat> so Courtney knows all of the king's companions, but feigns ignorance regarding Melisandre and upon meeting her, wishes her well, but icily indicates that he worships a different god and bows to a different king, asking, Are we here to dispute theology? Had I known, I would have brought a septon. He's winning. To avoid the immense fun of just quoting the whole chapter, we'll leave it at this. Sir Courtney Penrose refuses to yield the castle, suggesting that only single trial by combat could resolve the matter from his perspective, and feeling vicious verbal barbs all throughout the process. Totally. 
That's right. He throws shade at Melisandre and Lord Alistair Florent. Calls Sir Guyard Morgan a liar right to his face. Questions the Rainbow Guard's honor and even goes so far as to slap Stannis Baratheon full in the face with his glove. <laughs> yes, Queen. <laughs> yes! Theatrics aside, Stannis is no fool. He refuses the trial by combat, though he knows that Storm's End will not fall easily. The parlay breaks and Stannis summons Davos to his side for counsel. Stannis pleads for Davos's opinion on Sir Courtney and of his new supporters. The ever-honest Davos answers dutifully. He finds Sir Courtney to be stubborn, man, and desperate, but also a man that keeps faith, differing from those now in Stannis' fold. He even warns Stannis of these new followers' lack of loyalty, making Stannis laugh in the process. And here we see the two men talk as men, as humans, maybe as friends. Reflecting on their past together, Davos saving Stannis, but having his fingers cut off as a penance for his smuggling, but also being rewarded for his heroism. A good act does not wash out a bad. Then Stannis asks what Davos hears of Renly's death from the small folk. Well, Davos is a damn gossip factory. Renly is loved and they grieve. Cersei's incest is believed by some and eschewed by others. And lastly, we believe that Shireen... Stannis' daughter, is actually the offspring of Solis and Patchface. Stannis promises that he'll have justice for Robert's death, and that he is certain Cersei had a hand in it. And for Jon Aaron's, and Ned Stark's for that matter, too. And for Renly? Davos asks. Renly's death hit Stannis hard, and it is apparent to the reader that it hit him so hard, at least in part, because he has a sparkling memory of the ordeal, despite not even being there. He remembers all sorts of details about Renly's death, a note we shall pick up, pack away for later. And lastly, for this section, he expresses true sadness about his brother's death as well. His brother has offered him a peach at the parlay. Now he was dead, and Stannis would go, on, go to his grave thinking of that peach. Sir Courtney Penrose, everyone. Sir Courtney. He's one only chapter. What do you got, Matt? Sounded like you want to get some off your chest. Uh, hmm, let's talk about Courtney. What sure. do you think of him? I mean, on one hand, I love that the guy is sticking up for Edric Storm. On yeah. the other hand, he's got a lot of lives that uh, that are that he's in charge of right now in Storm's End. And he's getting a pass to walk out of Storm's End free, healthy, hardy, and able to go on their way. So, I mean, while we love Courtney's uh, faithfulness to Edric Storm, and Edric Storm must be a great kid because Davos is about to risk everything for him in just another book, too. Um, yep. There must be something magnetic about this kid. But uh, what do you think? Is is Courtney really making the right decision sticking up for him like this? Let's just dump in, jump right in with a deep moral question here. Do you put the others at risk to save the one? Well, I think Courtney's also trying to filter out the information that uh, he's received, right? Because he, he knows the information he has is that Stanley or Stannis has killed Renly. Mm -hmm. And... You know, people are saying it was Catelyn or it was Brianna Tarth. And he even says, like, 
it, there's no way Brienne did it, right? I've known her since she was a girl. She's been in love with Renly since the first time she he she ever laid eyes on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's trying to filter out all this information, and his one condition to Stannis is, you know, what are you going to do with the boy? And he won't tell him. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I, Matt, you you. You're right. You started with a, a deeply moral question. I mean, George is great at, at presenting these things to the reader without presenting the solution and making you kind of check your check your gut and, and come to one yourself. And yeah, I think I think Justin, you're you're right. He's got a lot of information to deal with here. He really needs to protect this boy, in his opinion, and he doesn't trust that Stannis is going to treat him well. Mm-hmm. It makes it may you know you hate to question you know could could George have done this differently or or something or could Stannis have I guess but like he gives him the bare minimum of information Stannis does to Courtney it's like don't just tell him you can try like why don't you work out a deal if this is really so important to both of you work out a deal you know what Courtney you can come with us and you can be his you know his teacher his friend his whatever his personal guard whatever it is if you're worried about his safety man come with him you you can be with him day and night right like i have no ill you know no ill will toward this guy toward toward this kid but the worry then is like i well i don't know that stannis knows what melisandre wants with edric storm yeah and so he's kind of like Listen, that's just part of the deal. Because right now he'll do whatever Melisandre says. She's got him hook, line, and sinker. And uh, I don't think he knows yet. But... Well, I think Stannis, from his perspective too, he's he's looking for a victory to prove to everyone that he is the leader that they should have followed in the first place. Right? Because everyone that's behind him right now are were Renly's men. Yep. Yep. Right? So, so they picked the wrong Baratheon in Stannis's opinion, and now it's almost a show of this is why I should be. You should have followed me from the mm-hmm. beginning. So you think he's drawing right? a hard think, line on yeah on Edric because he needs to save face or yes, show think, something to these people. Yeah, I think he's definitely trying to save face. Right, and and he does make a comment about it too that uh, when. Davos mentions that you know you could just walk away. Yeah. Um, yep. That he he doesn't want to have an enemy at his back, and it'll be a sign of weakness that he left his castle to someone else. Yeah. Matt, you said something. I don't, I don't want to sweep it under the rug. In your point at the beginning, that he's responsible for all these other people too, um, Courtney, and uh, yeah, he's not thinking of them really, is he? And it really shows what the priority is the priority is in in this boy and we don't really know why exactly but yeah i mean that's that's kind of the deeper question is why what's so special about edric storm and of course we go back to the later davos and stannis conversation what's the life of one boy everything right but in that case there weren't other lives hanging in the balance yeah Right, exactly. Melisandre wanted Edric, and it wasn't like a whole everyone within Storm's End was going to potentially starve or be 
sacked or no, something. But if you ask Mel, she would tell you their other lives were in the balance if they didn't do it, right? That they could save many, many, yes, many lives. Yeah, by doing you're right. That. You're right. But yeah. but they weren't like imminently in peril. Right. But, you know, right? It was like a, a longer yeah. game kind of thing. Yeah, he has the chance to let... I don't know how many people are in Storm's End right now. I don't know that it says. If so, I didn't pay attention. But those people get to walk free. Yeah. But... Or join Stannis if they're looking for yeah. an opportunity there. He also, Stannis... But, sorry, go ahead, Justin. Uh, I was just going to say, Courtney Penrose, though, in his perspective, he may be actually trying to protect everyone because Storm's End's reputation is it can't be taken. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He, he He's fully prepared for a siege, and he, told, and he, he mentions that. Yeah, he does. Right? Maybe they learned from and, the Stannis situation, and they've got... Yeah. They've been setting aside right? food. And so I, I'm assuming he didn't know about that secret entrance in off the cliff face. So as far as he's concerned, he's got an army sitting at his door that can't get him. That right. Everyone that's everyone that's behind those walls is, is safe. That's a. I think I have that note in, in the next section too. It's a high crime to me that they're not guarding that thing or like aware of it. Like yeah. everyone knows yeah. this story. A knight got <laughs> named for it. Like everyone knows what happened here, right? Like, they, how they, they mention that there's murder thing? holes. It's like there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why are they not guarding this? You're the it Castellan. Seems... You should know every nook and cranny of Storm's End. You can't put one guy down there? Anyway. <laughs> I mean, not that it probably would have mattered against a fucking be... demon. As you're Jason right. Say in yeah. No, no kidding. Um, But uh, you're right. Maybe that's why he egged him on so much with the full glove in the face slap trial by combat offer knowing that stannis wouldn't agree to the trial by combat but trying to goad him into attacking storm's end get him so yeah. pissed off that he's actually going to try to attack it and then if he does courtney stands a chance yeah i don't have any question not just the glove but all of it all this whole scene with penrose it's not just to show off how clever he is he's trying to goad him into single combat or at least into in you know an invasion of the castle uh, and not into starving them out, and not into something something else. He wants single combat for sure, and he's go he's goading all of them. His whole effort is even to Mel. I don't know who you are. It's so insulting. Everyone knows the story of the Red Wolf. Like everyone knows the legends of this woman. I don't know who you are. Who I know not the lady. Nice to meet you. Right. Bye. Nice to meet. Oh, sure. Oh, I I worship somebody different. Out. Yeah, bugger your god. Yeah, <laughs> bugger your god. Yeah, May the others bugger your Lord of Light. He says. Yeah, so yeah I'm, I'm with you. I think he's definitely goading him into it. He's Stannis was, it, you know, I think I think Stannis's terms are more than fair, and he gave him two weeks, two weeks to, to think, think about, about it. it. Yeah, I would have given him two days. I mean, what's he gonna think about? It's mentioned that uh, Courtney's he participated in Robert's Rebellion. I believe it was. And he's he's termed like a, a fairly seasoned battle commander. Um, I don't know that he was like a general or anything, but right. he knows what he's doing. He knows how to plan. He knows how to lead men. So that leads me to believe that he maybe does have something brewing. Maybe he had some sort of plan and he wants them to attack, knowing that he could really do some damage. He's not bluffing. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. And maybe he was holding on to this Edric thing, yes, because he really likes him, but also because uh, he knew that would that would get Stannis's grits burning. Yeah. 
Well, and as we see in other parts of the whole Song of Ice and Fire series too, right? There's a lot of people out there that want to protect kids. They don't want to see bad things happen to them, right? This is a kid in his charge that, well, what are you going to do with him? Well, we don't know. I, I don't need to tell you that. Actually, you kind of do. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, like, decency, if, 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 I'm, if I'm presented with that, I'm not handing over yeah. a yeah. kid, yeah. right? You're right. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's kind of, you're right. That's kind of what I meant by, like, he doesn't give him enough. He doesn't give Courtney enough, like, assurance. He's just like, he's, he's my blood. Like, he'll be fine. Like, try harder. Like, do more. <laughs> do more. Nah, you gotta do more than that. Do nope. less. That's <laughs> so Stannis, though. That is so Stannis. It's like, well, yeah. it makes sense to me, so... Yeah. <laughs> you just do it. It's, it's just his, his lack of creativity exactly is exactly known for his communication skills. Yes. Yeah. No communication skills. No, no creativity. It's just like bread and butter black and white like no frills it's like work work for it a little bit work if you want this so bad and you're so worried about the time and the loss of life and all these things like throw an adjective in there you know (laughs) he's gonna be happy right like something do something to try to convince him that it's more than you know but but status wouldn't know what being happy is (laughs) he laughed once (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, Courtney, you, you mentioned Courtney kind of taking the information in. He he definitely, I think he trusts his instincts. He's a seasoned guy, like you said, Matt. He trusts his instincts, and he doesn't feel like he's in as bad a position as Stannis thinks he's in. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? You got to trust that. Yeah. You hold the high ground, right, Obi-Wan? Um. <laughs> They said that the walls to Storm's End are like 40, is it eight? I think it's 80 feet thick. Yeah, something like that. 80 feet thick. Did you get that so from uh, from Brush Up on Bucks Castle's book? Yeah, I think that's where I found it, yeah. Go ahead, Justin, sorry. I said they can definitely withstand a siege then. Yeah. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even if you're like catapulting rocks at that, an 80 foot thick <laughs> wall, like it's just going to bonk. Yep. Bonk. Try harder. So, Bonk. so, so we have this whole scene where it's basically, it's basically everyone trying to provoke each other into action that the other side wants, and then they ride away. Of course, not reaching any agreement. And the first thing Stannis does is summon Davos to his side, <laughs> a man that he wouldn't. I have some questions about this, but he wouldn't see Davos for the first eight days he was back from his trip. So Davos has been in camp for eight days requesting to see Stannis, and Stannis wouldn't see him. It's weird to me. Um, maybe we'll come back to it, and maybe it's nothing. But um, Davos immediately does his work going in to de-escalate things, calm things down. Uh, maybe Sir Courtney's not so bad. Maybe your guys aren't so perfect. Maybe there's somewhere in the middle that, like, we're all just humans here, man. Nothing. Oh, I didn't know you were done. (laughs) It was was just kind of a leading trailing statement. Go ahead, Justin. I I was just going to say, I honestly think Stannis showed up there just expecting Courtney to hand everything over. Because, yeah, because he's his liege lord, right? Mm -hmm. He he is the heir to the throne. He is the one true king. Yeah. And I honestly think he just showed up expecting it 
to be handed over. It would, and then mm-hmm. I think it would you know, definitely. Courtney, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Courtney definitely didn't play that game. Yeah, he. De- it definitely makes sense that he would have expected that to begin with. After Renly died, it's like, all right, the next logical step is you then surrender, and then we go have tea, and then we go to Storm King's Landing. And These are the logical steps the everyone Lannisters. sees should take, yeah. right? But 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 after he got rebuffed the first time, I don't know that he's expecting it on th- at this parlay. But I wonder, may- maybe maybe he's like, of course, the next logical step is he waits two weeks and gets hungrier, and then of course he would relent. That's what a well, normal person would do. <laughs> and it makes sense to me, so it should make sense right. to everybody. Right. Well, he does reveal to Davos though that he knew Penrose would die. Yes, that's was true. Was going to die. Yep. We'll talk more yeah, about his... that later, but. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Davos smoothing, trying to smooth things over too. Um, it, it could just be the maybe the reason why he wasn't seen for the first eight days is because um, Stannis was dealing with all the sycophants that are now, you know, part of his party, and he Stannis is very much one for rank and uh, position, right? So at this point. Like Davos is even a, even a lord, so he yeah. falls way down on that rank. So maybe that's yeah. That maybe that's just all it was. Maybe yeah. Maybe he needs to let the mules bray for a while or something. Um, I, I wondered it if just... maybe it's just because he knew his best friend didn't like his girlfriend. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if I ever had a girlfriend that my best friend didn't like. Oh man, I mean I didn't have many of them. I definitely, so it's big... I definitely have. You have, yeah. You've yeah. had the girlfriend that the friend didn't like, or you didn't like the friend's yeah. girlfriend? No, are we talking I, about I, Beth here, or are we talking that... about like other despicable girlfriends? Uh, a despicable girlfriend that I nicknamed the Rash. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I'm adding a section to question, uh, a question to section two. Why the Rash, and where was it? <laughs> was what it color at... and what pattern? Did you get it from a toilet seat? <laughs> no. <laughs> I had an epic, epic feud with my best friend's high school girlfriend. Oh yeah. And I think this is D, or that, is this somebody else? This is D. Yeah. I, and I think, and and well, you've told me part of this. I'm the yeah. winner, man, because he's still with You're me. You're still around. Twenty yeah. years later, and totally. she's nowhere. So <laughs> I win. I heard she's, she's happily married, but nowhere found. Nowhere counts. She is. She is. She is. Yep. Yep. <laughs> There was one time where she uh, she called my house looking for him. This is when we were in Ooh. high school. She like called my home phone. We didn't have cell phones back then. And my mom brought the phone down to where he and I were playing guitars. And I couldn't hear the other end. I Except for this one loud. He's like, I'm just hanging out with Matt. And then I just hear this loud, why don't you just start dating Matt then? from the phone and he's like well maybe i effing will and he hung it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great it's so great 20 years uh, later we're still happily together happily together friends. but seriously he knows uh, stannis does mention to davos he knows that davos doesn't like melisandre he knows that and nobody does nobody likes her and stannis is totally bought into her game you know you can say he's not maybe he's a little no he's totally bought into what she's selling and he's totally into what's happening there's physical stuff going on there's sexy stuff going on probably feels real good um and 
you know, the stuff that she sees in her fires, a lot of it has come true. So he's bought into it physically. He's bought into it emotionally. Like, and I think that maybe right now he's like, I just want, I just need this with Melisandre. I need to learn everything I can from her. I need to go all in with her because it's working. I'm going to start flying her sigil. I'm buying into this and I know Davos isn't going to like it. And I just, I can't take that right now. I can't take that. I need to buy he, into this. But he even says during the chapter here, as, as Melisandre's walk, walking, riding kind of with them, but not like with them, with them. I think she's like a step or two behind maybe. Mm-hmm. And he leans back and he says, see, I told you Davos is the honest one. Right. I, you know, <laughs> like, like, like he's been talking, talking Davos up to Mel, right? Like trying to get that to a point where they can work together. That's I guess I'm just, I'm man. surprised as a king, he can't, and he does it later in the chapter. He says, hey, go away, Mel. I'll call you when I need you. Right. Like, I'm surprised he couldn't send everyone away for a bit tr- to try to get a real conversation. I feel like Stannis hasn't had a real conversation with anyone in weeks. Even though he buys into what Mel's doing and, and the fact that it works, he still doesn't buy into all of the stuff. And he still doesn't like what she says. He's still got, in the back of his brain, he's like, oh, I hate this. He does it because of the results. Yeah, he does it because it gets the results that he needs. But nobody likes having conversations like that. Nope. Right? He wants to have a conversation with somebody who's going to treat him honestly, that thinks like he does, that can can give him, you know, straight truth instead of this weird vision or just being a yes man. And I'm just surprised that he didn't get Davos to him quicker for some advice. Could have avoided this whole thing, really. Maybe Mel just had him shadow bound. (laughs) That's Maybe. their weird S and M stuff. <laughs> How dare you judge? Shadow handcuffs. <laughs> oh no, no judgment here. Just you just know, saying. <laughs> they, they say she's a shadow binder, but we've never seen it. So, <laughs> what, is, what goes behind what goes mean? on behind closed doors? <laughs> Maybe that's uh, why you couldn't see him for eight days. He, he was all tied up. All tied up. Well, I so I think it's in the next section, so I'll save it. Uh, but I have I have some questions about that maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's another thing I want to get to before we get to the peach maybe. Um, he says they knew Renly for a usurper, and he's talking he's talking about his own men right that have that have now left Renly's cause. Mm-hmm. Um, he's comparing them to the other people that follow Rob or follow um, and follow follow these other kings. Uh, they don't know any better. They think they're doing the right thing. But there's no excuse for Renly's men. Renly had no business. He's he, he was in any rule of law. He's underneath Stannis in any claim of any kind. Mm-hmm. They knew him for a usurper. And that's why he hates having them around. But he doesn't punish them at all like he punished Davos with the fingers. And that's a, a real source of, um, I think, consternation for him. He's, he's willing to let it go. He's like, it's the way it has to be. And Davos is willing to, to let it go too. But... I think it's 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 a real difference that Stannis recognizes between Renly's followers and everyone else's. Yeah, and I think it stings a little bit that like Bryce Karen, he's a Stormlander. Yep. yep. Giard Morrigan, Stormlander. Like a lot of these guys were from the Reach, right? So they're going to yep. follow the Tyrells no matter what. But a lot of these guys were Stormlanders that consciously made the decision to not follow Stannis. And they should have seen that Stannis is the stronger option. Right. Yeah. Maybe not the more popular option, but the stronger option. I think that's why Stannis is so offended by it. But I think a lot of them just were looking to have that shiny look at me um, parade that Renly 
was throwing. Yes. Right? They wanted mm-hmm. they, they wanted that glory without actually having to do anything. And I think that's why he's disappointed in them. He feels like Stormlanders. Yeah, those flowery Tyrell followers, maybe. But a Stormlander should know better than wanting that parade. Right? Yeah. And I think um, part of the consternation, maybe this, this factors into the eight days of no of radio silence with Davos. I think he feels pretty guilty. Mm. Is what is that statement that he makes? He's like, I've punished, I've punished better men for lesser crimes. Yeah, he's obviously yeah. alluding to Davos there. Yeah, he's obviously right. He didn't take Davos. any fingers from these guys. <clears throat> yeah, these guys still have all their fingers and everything, um, forgiven but not forgotten. And I think he feels a little bit guilty. Like, I know this. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which, but but don't forget too when he punished Davos for his misdeeds, it wasn't until after the war was done. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so he 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 could be in that position right. too, right? Where he needs these people. I I will deal with them, just not right now because I need them, right? But when the time comes, they will have their punishments coming to them. Yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe that's what he means by not forgotten. Not forgotten. It's yeah. still it's still in my ledger. Don't worry, they'll lose their fingers too, man. Oh, that's a good point. I, I, and he would totally be that guy that, yeah, I literally have a, a list of names that I'm going to get revenge on, and I'm coming for you when it's time. <laughs> the people to kill the, list? The Billy Madison bit scan yes. that you're doing right now? Yeah. The people to kill list? <laughs> Billy Madison? No, that's yeah. a good point. I'd written down on here that for the man who everyone says he would break before he bends, Stannis is showing a surprising amount of flexibility um, towards these guys. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, the list and everything reminds me of Cregan Stark and from fire and blood with the hour of the wolf. Oh yeah. And I'm just imagining Stannis taking names, taking names, wait until later. Yep. Yep. That's one thing about Stannis is it seems like a lot of like, you know, we just went through an election here in the United States and you know, the big question of any election anywhere is what are you going to do for me? And it's like, Stannis, what are you going to do for me if you're king? And he's, it seems like his big platform right now is he's like, I'm going to punish all the people that did wrong things. Like, that's what he's going to do. Like, I'm going to give the Lannisters well, justice. Okay, what are you going to do after that? It, it is, I'll, it I'll is. Fi- it I'll is, figure it out. I'll, I'm going to be king. That's what I'm going to do. Think, I'm going to be king. I think that is singly the biggest argument that, that stands of Stannis and, and his detractors have. His fans say he doesn't need a plan. He's a just person, and that's all you need to know. He's going to do the job best, even if he doesn't have a plan, because he's just, and he's going to weigh things in a just manner and do the best by the people. And those that are against him say the opposite. They're like, he just has this sense of entitlement. He has no idea what he's doing, and he's not prepared at all to lead people. And he's got no charisma to do it. So... They're they're kind of arguing over the same point and calling it a strength in either direction. Because it's definitely not a bad thing to want justice for like the no. murders of Robert Baratheon and Eddard Stark and even as he thinks John Aaron. Right. But um it's oh, he's such an interesting character study. Just, you know, my very first note of this whole section, because it came up first, is that Penrose is flying the Baratheon standard above Storm's <laughs> End. Yeah. Right? How ironic yeah. is that? And yeah. Stannis is willing to attack his own people to get what he wants. And which, I don't know, 
Stannis is one of the only guys willing to put kingdom above family, was my note. Some might call it selfish. Some might call it the most selfless of all. Um, I don't know, man. It's kind of ironic and interesting. Yeah. And to me, that might make me go, he's willing to let all of his own people starve so that he could become king? I don't know about this guy. Yeah. I've never really thought about it like that. Hmm. Hmm. Because I, I will admit I'm a Stannis fan. Um, and, you know, by all, by all the rights of the laws of Westeros, he should be sitting on the Iron Throne. <laughs> yeah. For, from the information that we have. Um, but, you know, as for the plan, like, Rob doesn't really have a plan. Joffrey doesn't really have a plan. That's true. So... They're all kings, and none of them have a plan. The end goal is the right? throne. It's not what you're going to do when you yeah. get the throne. Yeah. Yeah. Point. They haven't thought that far ahead. It's just that a next... It's that step to, how do I get the throne? How do I show that I am the king? Mm -hmm. Well, there it is, right? Uh, Robert won the war with his hammer. Um, and uh, if you haven't, by the way, uh, listened to the... Um, oh, geez. I forgot the name now. Westeros Bar. What's it called? Uh, I'm panicking. Maester Mary and Clint have the have a podcast. Uh, Westerosbar.org is their, is their website. Anyway, they have a fantastic episode where they do the trial uh, of Rhaegar Targar Targaryen, and it's hilarious and super well done. And they talk about how Robert got the throne because they, you know, they were they were the closest in relation uh, to the Targaryens. Right. That made sense. And Robert on the stand um, says, no, my Warhammer got me the crown. Um, and and I feel like that's 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 where Stannis, that's where all these kings are, right? I mean, if you were really to make the argument of who deserves the throne and who the laws say should have it, well, they'd say that it's been under siege for the last 16 years and it should belong to Viserys, Right. So, um, yep. you know, the law, the laws of Westeros are squirrely, I'd say at best on this, but, <laughs> but, you know, where does power reside? It resides where men think it resides, as Varys says. So, yes, indeed. However, uh, just, just to be clear from my opinion, I also think Stannis would be the best king of the options that they've got in front of them. Yeah, probably. Because Rob doesn't even want to be king, really. No, he wants to be no. king in the north. And even that, he wasn't like, I'm going to go out and take a crown. Like, I'm yeah. doing it because no, everything it, is so screwed people... up south that I'm going to go be the king in the north because I'd do a better job than this southern king. He might well, be okay. His people but basically he... crowned him, right? Like, they just said, yeah, we yeah. want you to be yeah. our king. Party, like, party on. He, he didn't really great. have a say it in it. <laughs> but he would also be, he, he's never been to King's Landing. He's He's, you know... A rose in the wilderness, right? Like, I mean, it's maybe an inverted metaphor, but like, he doesn't belong there. He's never been there. Nope. He doesn't have friends there. It would be, it would be not a great match, right? Mm -hmm. It'd be rough sailing uh, for Rob. Yeah, he'd have zero respect from anyone south of the neck. Yeah, because he's just one of those, you know, devolved Northmen. <clears throat> right. Cave Should we move to the basically. peach? Yes. Um, just real quick, Definitely I just want to say, page. I can just imagine how pissed Stannis must have been during the whole, it's kind of a non sequitur about who killed Renly, 
Like, <laughs> they all start talking about it. Well, I think Catelyn did it. I think Brienne yes. did it. And I just imagine Stannis just rolling his eyes, just like, that's not why we're here. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> Irrelevant. Irrelevant. <laughs> Listen, are you going to come out of the castle or not? I, I don't know. I just imagined him rolling his eyes at that whole thing and pissed off. Grinding his teeth. But, yeah. but also, but also, as we're about to find out, uh, I did it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, he... Guys, it was me. Can we stop talking about it? <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. when everybody's talking about, like, who stole the cookie and you know you did, and you're like, yeah, man, who? <laughs> yeah. Totally, who did that, guys? Oh, my That's gosh, up. that cookie's gone? Jeez. Yes. Oh, my kids would totally throw me under the bus for the cookie. Sorry, guys. I have to do it. Uh, Learned Hands. I can't believe I forgot your name, guys. Sorry. It was a fantastic episode. Everyone go listen if Learned you have Hands podcast. They're brilliant people. Uh, the Peach. Should we dive in? The Peach. Yeah. Yes. Why did Renly offer Stannis that peach? Could just be that he's trying to show Stannis that he needs to take the small enjoyments out of life. I like that thought. Yep. Right. You know, like the Stannis is so serious all the time and he's literally missing out on everything because he, he doesn't take that time to taste a peach. Yeah. Right. He's, he's probably never had one and Renly's here, taste it. It's good. Yeah, it's always, for Stannis, it's always about reaching, right? Reaching for what he feels slighted from. Um, and Renly says to him, uh, back in that Catelyn chapter, uh, Renly says, a man should never refuse to taste a peach. He may never get the chance again. Life is short, Stannis. Remember what the Starks say. Winter is coming. I think part of that is just, like, appreciate what you got, dude. Like, yeah. You know, one thing Renly did really well is he attracted followers. He got guys from the Stormlands to follow him and basically betray Stannis and betray his liege, the liege lord. And, well, it's it's interesting, though, because Renly was given Storm's End. Yes, it's a so little more complicated. Technically, it's a little complicated. Yeah. 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 But he was a magnetic personality, you know? Renly's not super popular in the fandom, but he was super popular in Westeros. He had yeah. that ability to attract people. And yeah, like Robert. Back, like Robert did. And, mm -hmm. and he got backed by one of the biggest houses in the Reach. Yes. And he did right. not but, that, not by being bitter and being hard and being like, let's go take what's ours, but by being mag magnetic and energetic and appreciating yeah. the people around him and I read the um, the chapter where uh, Catelyn goes to Bitterbridge, right, to yes. meet with Renly, and it's yep. talking about how he's even joking around with the guys guarding the door to the feast. Like he just had that way about him, and you know, say yes. what you will about leadership. There's different leadership uh, styles, and Stannis and you won't find two more different than Stannis and Renly. But mm -hmm. Renly had it dialed in in terms of getting the people to love him. He's saying. It's kind of giving him I, almost a hint. You, I don't know whether, I don't know whether you have this mat or not. But I mean, I'm I'm a very intense, stressed out person, just kind of in general. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just, I'm always on edge, right? I have anxiety most of the time. I'm, I'm pretty kind of not. I just have kind of a nervous energy. I think you do, yeah. Um, and 
and I think I think Stannis is maybe not. I think he's wound tightly. Let's just put it that way. And no matter how often somebody tells me to relax, I can't relax. It makes it worse. I can't. I can't just sit back and like enjoy the nice things because you tell me to. I have to be in the state where I get there on my own, right? And it's rare, yeah. right? And and I think Stannis is the same way. It's probably extremely rare, way more rare than it is for me. And I think Renly's doing this, yes, to try to like throw a damn life preserver to his poor brother that can't fucking relax. But, but also, also I to think kind it's, of poke him. Yeah. To poke him a little bit. It's whimsy from, from Renly, and he's doing it right in front of when a person that he knows is not capable of whimsy. It's rubbing some dirt in the wound. It's mind games. Renly knows the best way to get under Stannis' skin is with this natural ease that Stannis could never have. To show him this lack of concern and this this joy of life, this lack of lack yeah. of concern for what his fate is and how it's going to go. He's confident. He's naturally confident, and Stannis doesn't have that. He know, Renly knows he's in control of that situation at the parley. He's speaking of fruit instead of the matter at hand just to show how unconcerned and nonplussed he is. And yeah, that just that just grinds Stannis even harder. Why aren't you worried about this? This is an important meeting. There's yeah. a dig in there when he says a man should never refuse to taste to peach. He may never get the chance again. Mm, yeah, that's Renly saying. Right. I'm going to win. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and he has every every reason to believe he will. Yep. At that point, until the, there was actually said. something that really stuck out for me when I re- reread this. Mm. Um, Stannis is so focused on that peach that it makes me wonder what Renly possibly did when they were kids hmm. to hmm. get Stannis so wound up about a peach and the meaning of that peach. Yeah. Right? Like, did he torment him with fruit or something when they were kids? Put peaches in his pillow or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. like, he is so, like, focused on what that meant and what Renly was trying to tell him with that peach. And I almost get the feeling like he's encountered something like that before from Renly. Yeah. And there was a deeper meaning and he just can't figure it out. And now he can't ask him because Renly's dead. <laughs> I wonder if the peach is Storm's End, right? And it actually had nothing yeah. to do with Renly. It had to do with the fact, like Matt said, Robert gave Storm's End to Renly. And Storm's End is the metaphorical peach here. And yeah, and he's, he's like offering it to him like, hey, and you got to enjoy these things, man. I have it. <laughs> I'm yeah. enjoying it. <laughs> maybe and he it, was. Yeah, maybe they had peaches at the uh, ceremony where <laughs> Renly was given Storm's End and Stannis was given Dragonstone. <laughs> you guys got well, anything more on the peach. on the peach? Uh, it's an interesting. Um, I think I brought this up when we originally covered this episode. It's one of the. I went. Did you go back and listen to the our first coverage of this episode, Skad? It's the first time I haven't. This no, is like the, this was like the one thing I took from this that I was like, good thought, Matt. Everything else was, I was like, you're dead wrong, son. You were dead wrong. <laughs> and um, I do. Also dead wrong. But uh, you did fine. You did fine. Oh, great. I'm sure. Um, Brooke did better than all of us as she did. As usual. Yeah. Yep. But uh, interesting little, just a little tiny thing in there that while he's talking about the peach, he's drinking water laced with salt. Mm-hmm. Right. And just, that's mm-hmm. just George just giving irony. us a little yeah. more depth, a little more yeah. irony to the whole thing of uh, the difference between Stannis's personality and Renly's personality. And by, who the 
Rick puts salt in their water. Why would you do that? I, I, Electrolytes. <laughs> it's what plants crave. It, 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 it's it's the it's the old school uh, Gatorade. With all that right. banging he's doing, he needs some electrolytes. <laughs> That's right. Well, he does look half dead. Yeah. I'm going out on a limb and saying Mel's the one doing all the actual work. He's a bottom. <sighs> I don't know. Well, of maybe he's, he's one of those guys that once he gets in the bedroom, like he really just takes over maybe yeah like justin but... said he's shadow bound man he's not doing anything <laughs> he's not moving anywhere not saying anything just sit there <laughs> oh all right welcome Shall everyone we to davos fingers <laughs> <laughs> wait is that supposed to be a davos after dark part <laughs> we should bring uh, back davos after dark sked where we just talk about sexy stuff just just sex sexy fun <laughs> of those in the fandom that can talk really well about sexy fun we gotta be near the bottom yeah probably i mean we could give we could give it a try <laughs> like like the 15 year old perspective that could be pretty funny <laughs> maybe <laughs> come on you've made it to 180 episodes doing that kind of stuff <laughs> this yeah. is true justin come on <laughs> thank you all for right the encouragement so, we're going to now get to know Justin a little bit better. He's uh, he's all warmed up and ready to get into the really deep personal stuff. Justin, what's your favorite position? No, I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> Justin, uh, defense. <laughs> what is your what is your song of ice and fire story? How did you how did you find the series to begin with? Uh, so Beth actually covered this a bit on her when she uh, was on with you guys. That's right. Uh, I was stuck in a hotel in new jersey uh she was a bridesmaid and uh there was literally nothing around no pool nothing so i was watching a lot of hbo and uh i kept seeing these commercials for this uh medieval show with lena hetty and sean bean and i'm like hey that looks like something i'd watch Heck yeah couldn't couldn't tell you what the name was because they always miss that part <laughs> and then uh fast forward a couple months and every bookstore record store I'm going into have this series of books by this guy, George R.R. R. Martin. I'm like, okay, well, what's this all about? So I picked one up, read the back. I'm like, oh, fantasy. This'll do. It sounds cool. Yeah. And, uh, Is in this? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I test out a book by actually going to page 40 <laughs> and, uh, seeing what it says. What? Did, right. And how did you decide on page 40 real quick? It was actually something I learned in school hmm. way back when they said, if you want to know, cause it's far enough into the book that stuff's been established, mm -hmm. things are starting to get interesting. So if you like what you read on page 40, it's probably something you're going to want to read. If you have no interest in it, put it away. So I read it. I'm like, all right, this sounds cool. So I grabbed them. I read all four books. I got watching the show, which really helped me understand the books. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I was lucky enough that when I finished the fourth one, Dance of Dragons came out. So I continued on the series. So he started about the same time we did, Scad. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah we yeah. started all about the same time then. Yeah, I started right before the show was coming out too. So, yeah, it, uh, there was literally one of the episodes where it was literally where I was reading in the book. Oh, wow. And because George has so many characters, right, that I was confusing, you know, the Baratheons with Barristan Selmy and 
Like, I just yeah. like, okay, I, I don't know what's going on. And when I saw this one episode that was literally what I was reading in Game of Thrones, it suddenly clicked for me, and then it was kind of smooth sailing from there. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hear that from people that just watched the show, saying there's too many characters I can't follow what's going right. on. Right, yeah. And they're like, lost. you have and no idea. And I'm like, idea. don't read the books, then. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's about I, I, the only I time I don't recommend these books. Yeah, I, I can honestly say I've never read a book series that has had that many characters that, you know, sometimes they seem like a minor character, and then all of a sudden they're doing a major thing. Yes. Yeah. And also characters that don't seem minor and are. Yeah. But like, they're, they're mentioned a bunch, but they don't do a lot. Or, like, yeah, he's... Yeah, it's, it's yeah like, like Adam Marbrand is mentioned all the yeah. time in, like, the yes. first two books. Yeah. Did he and do anything? No, man, he's really good at like, just, like, melting into the background. In the Tyrion <laughs> chapter, it's like an Adam Marbrand was there. Yeah. And Adam yeah. Marbrand was in the yeah. corner. And Adam Marbrand was outside having a cigarette. And it's... You're, like, <laughs> flipping through. You're, like, this fucker's got to do something at some point. Is this guy is Zora well, <laughs> That, that's almost like Rhaegar Targaryen too, right? You get these little snippets about him, but it's like he played such a major role, mm-hmm. but you hear almost nothing about him. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it's he like... died. Okay, like... He gave the wrong... He caused a war. Flowers. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yet a major more? driver of the series. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, you... And even when, when I was rereading this chapter, I'm currently reading uh, American Gods, and Ooh. there's a lot in that too. But... In comparison, going back to George's work, this one little chapter had so much more <laughs> in this one little yeah. chapter than the giant chapter in American Gods. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think on, on initial read, it's good advice for a new reader to just plow. Tell them, like, don't worry about remembering all the names. If they come no. back up, they come back up. And on rereads, you can link all those things together. But it's too much, almost, on yeah. the first read. Yeah, chase but, the story and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, I would honestly tell people just to take it slow. Mm. Not, don't try and rush through it because there is so much there. And and not to like come up with theories or anything like that, but just because there's so much detail in the chapters that, you know, if you just blow through it, you miss half the story. Yeah. Yeah, there's 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 certainly a lot more going on than you read the first time. At least yeah. there was for me. Um. Do you, do you do you get? I mean, I know you're you're passionate about this now. Do, do you have another series that you were passionate like this about before, or or even now? Do you follow it with uh, this much zeal? I know you're a big Batman well, I, fan, Star Wars. What? But what's anything yeah, like this? Yeah, I. Uh, well, I mentioned a couple of them before uh, earlier. Um, I also Lord of the Rings, uh, Tolkien stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was very fortunate. I didn't actually have to read that in school. Mm. So, um, I actually got to do that on my own. <laughs> so you actually like that? And, Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. I, I, I loved it. And uh, I finished uh, The Fellowship of the Ring the day before the movie came out. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So cool. it was kind of kind of perfect. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge Batman fan. Um, yes, you are. I've got quite, quite a few of the comics and I've... Somehow I managed to do this without the list. There's lists out there that they say, like, these are the comics you should have, Uh right, for a collection. And I bought a lot of those without ever having seen a list. (laughs) Nice. Good taste. So, yeah. So there's been a couple times where I'm like, wow, I okay, 
no idea. I just picked it up because I thought it was cool. And you did barely pick the best one. <laughs> uh, this so. this is more of a Marvel house, but my kids are super into the DC stuff, and I think I'm going to start trying to get into some Batman. Yeah, I. You know what? I love uh, the MCU. Um, I like Thor. Like I've read some of the comics for Thor. I used to be a big Spider-Man fan. Yeah. Um, and that that's really where it ended for me with Marvel. Like I mm-hmm. just I I tried getting into it numerous times, but I just found the comics were very very disjointed. Mm. And I found with a lot of the DC stuff that there there was a lot of continuity that you know you could get like a big uh, graphic novel like Crisis on Infinite Earth, and it actually was a story that you know branched out into every every other comic right all the other people in the right? universe yeah yeah and and it you know it's still to this day there's stuff that's having repercussions from that yeah right so i, I just found it easier to follow i'm not a fan of those big crossover events like that most of the time they lose me i, I mean i was a big yeah. x-men fan growing up and i guess i liked the ones that that reached just through the x-men books but like anything that was touching everywhere it just felt like too much <laughs> but i've never but i've never been a part of a dc one so maybe not yeah. I don't know. My son has a uh, trade paperback of a Ghostbusters Ninja Turtles team up. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. My kids read a Ninja Turtles Batman team up and loved that. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the movie for that. They made a movie out of that. <laughs> they have a movie. Yeah. Man, those, yeah. Those Ninja Turtles get around. They really do. Yeah. They really do. They're they're uh, they're active in the yeah. in the Ninja crossover universe. <laughs> Uh, all right. Yeah. So, you you actually, I don't know if you know what I'm what I'm trolling about here, but you have something to brag about over your over your <laughs> wife for this fandom, don't you? Uh, is that because I got her into it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that was interesting because so it was about season three of the show, and she was sitting beside me and didn't really have any interest in it whatsoever, and through the course of season three, she started asking me questions. Mm-hmm. So I'd answer them. And then she goes, uh, can we watch it from season one? <laughs> sure. So we binged it twice. <laughs> and then I was like, well, these are actually based on, on these books. She's like, really? Can I read them? Yeah, go ahead. So. No. She read them. <laughs> she read them. And then the next thing I knew, I was coming home from work. And she spent hours watching YouTube videos from different people about theories and this and that and asking all sorts of questions. And I'm like, I, uh, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're, sure. <laughs> and then, you know, she started listening to podcasts. And, uh, yeah, she uh, started showing me listen having me listen to snippets of this one called Davos Fingers. Oh, yeah. She's like, so really, she's Those like, a-holes. Think, yeah, she's like, I think you'd really like these guys. And she usually pick a clip where you're talking about Star Wars or <laughs> you know, Monty Python or something Smart like that. Woman. Smart woman. So uh yeah. And then uh from there it kind of I started getting into the fandom as uh Actually, after you guys reached out when she was going through a rough time, and mm-hmm. uh, I was like, "Wow!" Like I, the amount of people that I saw reach out and do things was amazing, and I was like, "Wow, this this is something I've never seen before." Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I had actually been close to getting rid of my Twitter account uh, oh, yeah? until, yeah, until kind of all this started. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll give it a second chance. And now I'm kind of hooked. Yeah, we that's our that's... main form of communication with our friend Justin. Yeah. And so we need that. I'm so glad yeah. you didn't. Yeah, I was, getting, I was trying to remember. I believe that was the first time that we'd really talked, right? It was you tracked down yeah. your Twitter handle to ask you something about beth and actually uh, i think i think it was actually on facebook or maybe it was on facebook yeah, yeah. that sounds right yeah um and then uh yeah i got involved in uh, uh song of madness and then got to got the pleasure of meeting you guys at uh, ice and fire con heck yes. yeah man we double dated a so, couple times to dinner right yeah justin and beth yeah. and me and scad <laughs> yeah that's the way of it that's the way of it <laughs> Spring 2022, we got a shot, outside shot. Yeah. Yep. Double dates three and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, moving on to the books. What What is your favorite as yet unproven book theory? <laughs> do you have one of those? Uh, I do, and this is actually one that before I knew about this wonderful fandom, um, I came up with, I thought all on my own, um, is the Mance Rhaegar theory. And hey! Yeah, and it that until that's disproven, as far as I'm concerned, Mance's Raider is Rhaegar or is Rhaegar Targaryen. You and I both, brother. Beth so, likes right. that theory too, right? Uh, I think so. I feel like we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, I I just found me personally, um, and I've had discussions with Beth about it. We actually talk about a Song of Ice and Fire. How would that quite be a scary? lot? Yeah, uh, I don't know. And, I don't know if uh, I want it or not. <laughs> um. One of the things as to why I came up, I believe this theory, is there's so many of Rhaegar's friends and followers at the wall. Mm. So it'd be very easy for him to be hidden and given a different backstory. Mm. I, to me, that's mm. one of those ones where I don't think it's true, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm totally on board with it. And, you know, if it comes out in a book that it, that's not the case, great. But until it's actually in writing, <laughs> it, it's happening. <laughs> I think Noted. what did it for me was the black and red cloak. Yeah. I think that's what got me. I remember it was late one night. I was studying for a yeah. Davos Fingers episode. And it hit me and I went down a, a rabbit hole. And I was up to like three in the morning trying to find stuff. And then I was like, Scott, Brooke, look what I found. And they're like, yeah, okay, Matt. <laughs> right, and and he likes dragons in the category with forty percent of men. Congratulations, someone, Matt. Someone needs a nap. <laughs> right, and and they're both harp players. They're both yes. singers. Mm-hmm. Right. It also struck me really weird that Mance is able to leave the wall, go to Winterfell, knows his way around, and no one knows him. Right. So I don't want to turn this into a Mance Rhaegar episode, but yeah. the question is always why? Why? Why, like, what? why? why the wall? Why not Essos or some like? What's his motivation for going there? Team John. Well, okay. He learned about the others. <laughs> he knows well, where he needs that. to be. But Maybe. but the walls also none of your past crimes can be hold held against you, right? You don't have to be a prince. You could. Your titles mean nothing up there, right? Yeah. It's literally, it, it, it's That's maybe a point. shitty place to be, but it's a fresh start. But if he's really glamoured and no one's going to recognize him, he'd kind of go anyway. Yeah. 
but but I mean, I, I get the Team John thing, and 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 I'd I'd love to believe that that's that's part of it, but like he's really really slow playing it, if that's the case. Because wouldn't he now that he's around John be doing stuff about it, right? Wouldn't he? Like, wouldn't Maybe. he have taken a few of those steps to like lay some real groundwork? Maybe. Instead of like, like, how long is he gonna wait? Maybe the uh, maybe the uh, it's more of a defensive than an offensive position. I'm waiting for the others to move. He's trust know. building. Trust building. All right. He's trust building so that when he finally drops that bomb on John, John doesn't just be like, "You're a liar." <laughs> well, it's two on one, and I don't like being in fights. I'm gonna lose. So <laughs> let's move on to the next question. All Listen, right. We don't know. <laughs> we really don't. No, we all have our hills to die on, and this is ours. We do. Justin and I and our buddy Dent are at the top of this hill with our poles planted. You're not alone. There's a lot of people on that hill, I feel like. I feel like like that's got probably at least a one-third of the fandom believes. Really? You think it's that high? I I think it's pretty high. Wow. I feel like it's pretty high. Okay, now See, I feel like that guy for... that's a fan of that band, and I think that they're like my band, and then I find out that <laughs> now, now you're upset. All right, maybe it's ten yeah. percent, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. Is Aegon just here to be dragon fodder, or is he going to do something meaningful? Uh, I think both. I think he's going to do something meaningful and end up dragon fodder. <laughs> <laughs> something <laughs> meaningful, like take King's Landing, and, that, and then lose it, or something. Yeah, he, there's nothing stopping him from taking it. Um, Right now, Dragonstone's even sitting empty, right? So what's to say he doesn't take Dragonstone, right? Yeah. He He's kind of moving that way, and I, I have a funny feeling that's also what's going to prompt uh, Daenerys to leave Essos and head towards Westeros. Right. When she hears right. her ancestral home is taken? Yeah, by a pretender. By someone that, so, yeah, is a challenger to her, yeah. So I think yeah. that's what's going to prompt her heading that way. And so I think, yeah, he's going to do some big things. But I think in the end, he's just going to be can- he's just going to be dragon fodder. So do you think? Do you think they'll go ahead? Sorry, I was going to say. So his narrative purpose, because I think I agree with you on this, is to make Danny help Danny take that next step. Right. I I, I think so because I I don't really see any other reason at this point why Danny's going to head west. I've made this argument on our podcast before, but like Danny's got so, so many, the the theme of family runs so deep in her, in her story and and the fact that she doesn't have any and longs, longs for it. You don't think there's any, any chance that he serves some purpose there? Like why would her first motivation be, I'm going to kill this dude? Maybe it's not to kill him, man. Maybe she wants to meet with him and be like, oh. I don't. I don't think that that's going to be her initial thought. I think that's just. Oh, there's a Targaryen in, and Dragonstone. I I need to head that way. Yeah, my mm-hmm. buddy, right? my pal, my amigo. You know, and it could be that family connection too, right? Where she's trying to connect with, uh, with other family. Yeah. But at the same time, if Aegon is just a pretender, yeah. that's going to aggravate her, and you're sitting on my throne yeah uh, here Ooh. drogon how do you take how does he taste right so maybe it's not even just a, a physical get her to westeros type thing but it's an emotional thing too to get her to that yeah. next level of maybe ruthlessness or 
mm. becoming the dragon that uh, is hinted at and that lots of lots of us spend time talking about. It's or there's... maybe Go ahead. like type, maybe like Targaryens do, they uh, they get married and uh, that causes some problems. Yeah, I've wondered that too, and we we've talked about this too on the podcast before about who's really in power, mm-hmm. right? She's got the dragons. Mm-hmm. You know, he's technically, well. John's technically first in line. <laughs> I think I think Danny would would if he's come not a before bastard. him because well yeah actually well no actually because Rhaegar never sat so uh, it still would be Danny wouldn't it? Isn't it primogenitor though? Um, well, the son of the oldest son. I, well, I mean, didn't we see that with? Um, George did Jer- anything with fire and blood. It's <laughs> well, he. It's the, the, it's what a muddy, he said is the, it's that's muddy. what the people will. It's muddy. The, yeah. the people will choose primogenitor for sure. Mm-hmm. But we had, um, well, yeah, I think I, I wonder yeah. what would happen. But sure. but in the end, again, power is with the dragons, maybe. Mm-hmm. But but people have said before. I don't know whether it matters whether Aegon's a Blackfire or a real Targaryen. Who cares? Yeah. Yep. I think it, I think it might matter a great deal to her. And might be well, the and, thing that gets him burned. And, and as Ferris says, you know, power is where those where is where people believe it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I wonder if even if the burning happens, if it's kind of more of a sad moment than an angry yeah. moment for Danny, or yeah, betrayal like, moment. I've yeah. got to do this, and I don't want to. But yeah. Westeros is mine by rights, and you're in the way of that. By yeah. right. Oof. Yeah. Could be great. And this is where, like, we don't talk show on this podcast very much, but this is, and I didn't even watch the end, so I don't know exactly what I'm talking about, <laughs> but this is where, broadly, I say things like, the journey is what matters, and how you get there. And that moment might be superbly written, and amazingly done, and well led, led up to and thought out, instead of just, Aegon was a throwaway character. I'm excited yeah. to see what happens to him. I know a lot of people aren't really that interested in him, but I am. So I threw the question in for you, even though I wanted to hear about it. <laughs> no, that's a good question. Yeah. Is the, I, I honestly don't really know what what Aegon's role is. Yeah. Right? And, and how, what that's going to do for the story. I think he's a supporting Danny character. Yeah. In the sense mm-hmm. of not really supporting Danny, of like throwing his support <laughs> behind her, but pushing her along narratively. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And maybe to do some shaking and baking in King's Landing, too. <laughs> and it's amazing that he gets so much attention for just being that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Thanks a lot, George. Yeah. <laughs> you want to bring us the last question, Matt? Yeah. What do you think's going to happen at the wall, buddy? Coming down? Uh, th- this one's one I've, uh, I've struggled with a lot. I-, I do think it's going to come down. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be, again, how it happened in the show, which I know we don't talk about, <laughs> but... I actually didn't um, even know it came down. Wait, the wall came yeah. down in the show? <laughs> yeah. Well, part of it did. A bit. A bit. A bit. A bit. Go <laughs> uh, better. I, I do feel like it's going to come down at some point, uh, and I, I would kind of like to see it be Joramon's horn and that being the big fight is that the the only way they can defeat the others is by dropping the wall 
Hmm. and all of Westeros goes to battle. And I really hope that Sam actually has the horn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm kind of on the fence about this because there's part of me that really hopes he fixes that ancient horn that he's got on his belt and it's Jormon's horn. Yeah. And I really hope that when he fixes it, he blows it and it blows up the wall. From from Old Town? Yeah. Standing on top of the Citadel? Yeah. You can see I'd it love happen. it. With, um, with, with Old Man Hightower? Yeah. Uh, or, or I just want to see it some fantastic other way of it coming down. Um, you know, fire and brimstone, dragon fire. Dogs and cats oh, living together. Yes. Yeah. Mass hysteria. Hell, yes. you know, Lightbringer slicing through it like a lightsaber and, <laughs> you know, it just shatters the wall. It's like uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon putting their lightsabers <laughs> through the door. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying so. what you're postulating is potentially the those south of the wall, humanity, purposefully bringing the wall down in order yeah. to kind of maybe goad the others into what could be a trap or something like that. Yeah. And... Or, or, you know, I know the theories out there that the, the final battle from the last long night was Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's to say that doesn't happen again, but when it's fully, fully stationed by the rest of Westeros, possibly with the backing of dragons, you know, does it, is it winter fell? Yeah. Winter fell. So. My theory that's never been said before, I'm pretty certain, is that they lure the others there. They crack open the walls to winter fell, and the hot springs flood out and destroy all the others. And they just wicked witch. Yeah. Just... How's that for new theory, Kalasar? You so like did... that one? I, I, Fresh I off love the that presses. theory. I, I just have one question, though. Would they have, like, super soakers to, like, spray them? Oh, that's a good so. idea. So. <laughs> that's a great idea. Or like a fire hose and a pump. Some couple guys sitting at the pond and pumping away so they can use a fire hose. The squishers are going to uh, drink it and then spew it at them. Spew it at them. Excellent. The or squish upon them. They're, they're coming inland. They're using those boats that Manderly built to come up the Mander. Or the, the White Knife, rather. Put it in the books. <laughs> Take... All right. Place your bets. The, the, they better be led by the chainmail monkey. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, that's right. Molendor's monkey. I did have a Molendor's th- <laughs> monkey. I did have a thought about uh, Storm's End and Winterfell to bring us back to the actual episode, but I'm wondering Ooh. if maybe we should get through this summary part. First. Yeah, let's do the summary then. Let's let's yeah. hit that first thing. Sure. Take us away, Matt. Yeah. So do- um, this is a part two of the chapter. This is a long chapter. This it is was. a meaty chapter. Yeah, it was a very meaty chapter. We have the stuff outside of uh, Storm's End. Then we had inside Stannis's tent, and then we have this. Actually, no, we're still in the tent. We're yeah. in the tent right now. Yeah, we haven't covered all of all of the tent talk. So Stannis and Davos. Right hmm. <laughs> Someone pitched a tent. What? <laughs> Hello. What? Uh, Hello. Is this <laughs> thing on? <laughs> Uh, just breathe deep. Um, something deep. Something. <laughs> Let me see your hands, everybody. Uh... Spirit fingers. 
Stannis and Can't. guys, Stannis and Davos are preparing for a war council, and before it arrives, Stannis, not loving his options of combat, uh, storming the castle or waiting, asks Davos what he thinks he should do. Strike for King's Landing at once is Davos's reply. Sounds daft at first. After all, they've come all this way, but Sir Courtney can't threaten them. Tywin is away in the West. And if they just take King's Landing, maybe they can just end this thing quickly. Stannis appreciated the line of thinking, but corrects Davos in one way. He is followed because men fear him. Retreat from this venture would signal weakness. And to Stannis, this is not so feasible. But Stannis assures Davos that there is a way out. Renly was a healthy was healthy when he died. Perhaps a similar fate may befall Penrose. Yeah, and it's not even a may or a perhaps. Melisandre's actually seen it in her fires. Penrose will die within the day. He was dead before he even threw the glove. But Stanny Boy needs Davos's help. He needs Davos to use his smuggling skills to get a boat into the same place he landed his onions. Once there, Melisandre does the rest. Davos and Melly's Night of Fun! These two could not be more different, and it shows. Are you the one? No. (laughs) Are you the one? You are not my perfect match. They argue the nature of good and evil, of light and dark, as Davos pilots them slowly, inexorably, carefully, and quietly toward their destination under the walls of Storm's End. When they arrive, Melisandre gets out and promptly starts giving birth. What? Uh, apparently they're getting busy on that boat. <laughs> How long Adorable. Were they on that thing? <laughs> Adorable, except that she shouldn't be pregnant at all. And because what emerges from her magical vajayjay isn't a precious little bundle of joy, but a tall shadow in humanish form that upon emerging immediately runs for the bars that lead to the city. But before it disappears from view, Davos realizes he knows this figure. I'm just glad I got Justin to say JJ. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> Justin saying JJ. That's a sound bite. I'm <laughs> taking that out and we're putting that. Is that a word of the day? <laughs> it's a word of every day. <laughs> So, you had a, a point about Storm's End. We just So we it's see Davos pilot Mel underneath uh, the walls of Storm's End so they can pass the magic. Go ahead. You know how I come up with these little pet theories that really don't have anything to do with anything in the end. But Have you heard my one about the squishers? Squishing <clears> the, <throat> the, squishers the squishers <laughs> uh, squishing upon the others. Yeah. yeah. I love it. This is in that same vein. Um, you've got Winterfell. And you've got Storm's End, both castles that legendarily imbued with magic, right? There's not a lot of other castles, not a lot of other castles like that out there. Dragon Isle, I will point out, as a high tower stand. (laughs) So maybe that's another one. Um, But uh, you've got Winter Fell and the Storm's End, Fell and End there. And I wonder if um, those two castles could be kind of, it, like Justin said, the others come south of the wall. And if those two castles are kind of the bookends, uh, the perimeter for the trap that they're able to 
trap the others in and eventually destroy them. If somehow those magical powers are going to hold those those others in the middle of the continent so that you know they can't yeah. escape and Daenerys can do her work and Jon can do his work and everything. Um, mm. Bran the I'm Builder was... famously potentially helped build Storm's End, which is like, yes. why would Bran the Builder come all the way south to do something if there wasn't some sort of purpose? Uh, I'll throw in the additional theory, which I know will just infuriate Scad yes. of... They talk about Bran the Builder legendarily being a little boy in the legends. A little boy helped build Storm's End. What if Bran the Builder is Bran Stark? I am furious. Via Heart Tree. <laughs> Scad hates the idea of Bran going around and influencing everything and Deus S. Ma ex machina and machinining <laughs> everything i hate i hate this mix and x i don't i don't love it either i don't love it either uh yeah i, I particularly with time travel it's it, it wrecks stories pretty quickly for me mm -hmm. but I, I but i i like i like the rest of your theory um <laughs> you know the, the, I'll, I'll wreck it if i go into too much detail so i'll just point you guys to other people but the hinges of the world you know idea is something that's been talked about in the fandom quite a bit not by us yeah. Um, but, uh, I think, I think, uh, history of Westeros, Aziz and Ashaya and their podcast have talked about it quite a bit. Um, and, um, I feel like, yeah, it's very possible that they, they, these could be two of the hinges along with the wall, right. And, and presenting some sort of, we don't know how, but some sort of magical lock or magical, um, set of keys or, or magical combination or something that that keeps stability or you know the others at bay or you know pick your theory i guess right so, so i just had this thought i i really like that theory um wasn't mo caitlin also supposed to be magical yeah, and there you go. wasn't the neck they tried to the children of the forest tried to separate westeros it's Kind of. It's made from the shiny black, the oily black stone, if I remember yeah. right. It's been a while since we covered this. Uh, but it's made from the oily black stone. It's thought that perhaps, similarly to the arm of Dorne that the children broke, um, that, that maybe they did something similar, that causing Mo Moat Kaelin to separate the north from the south. Um, Be go ahead. Because if that if that's the case, and you're talking about Storm's End and Winterfell being the bookends, mm -hmm. the next literally in the middle... And that's all bogs. So if you trap the others possibly in the bogs, they might be easy to take out. Totally. Like a midpoint between between these two hinges. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah, Moat Kalen, yeah. it it's a really cool location. And I hope it's not just that. I hope there's something yeah. to it. You know what's interesting is I'm looking at a map of Mes Westeros right now because it got me thinking we're bringing up all these different points on Westeros. Yeah. And essentially all the places that we're describing are on the King's Road. I don't know if that means anything, but it's like the King's Road starts at the wall and ends at Storm's End. Yeah. I mean, it was built way later, right? Jaharis built the King's Road. Right. Well, so it wouldn't have been it, built in this timeline. No. But... Well, it kind of, yeah, the King's Road, no, the King Road ends at the uh, Trident. Yeah, no. you have to take the other road to get there, right? 
No, King's Road. The King's Road keeps going all, all the way, way north. To King's Landing? And all the way south yeah, to Storm's End. Goes... To Storm's End. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I thought I saw a little break in the in the map there, but it's not. Yes. So yeah, it goes it all goes, the way It goes through to... the King's Wood. You yeah. have to cross the trident and then continue on, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And maybe stay at the end at the crossroads. So yeah, and, and yeah, the King's Road was built, built like Skad said, during the reign of Jaehaerys, but it's kind of interesting that all these places kind of pass through, starting up at the wall and ending at Storm's End. So I wonder if there's something there. It, uh, I, I guess I would, I would put in as a small counterpoint. King's Road doesn't touch Winterfell. Winterfell is off to the side a little bit. It is. And the King's Run Road runs right past it to the wall. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't don't know that it hurts your theory necessarily. Yeah. It's in the general vicinity. It's just close, guys. It's around there. (laughs) You can throw a rock. Uh, All right. Uh, You could stop off for a bathroom break at Winterfell. (laughs) Get off at the exit. So, so the end of the last chapter, Stannis, or he's he's talking about Renly's Peach. He then goes directly into, uh, in his in his tent, talking about how much he remembers of, of, actually, I think he did it before. He remembers Renly's death very clearly. I mean, it's it's Stannis, right? Do do we have, do we have a feeling that this this shadow does not represent Stannis? Absolutely not. No. We know we. He says earlier in the chapter, "I remember all these details." He wasn't there. He was dead asleep, passed out when it was happening, and we see Davos say he recognizes the shadow. Stannis is kind of the only important character in the story besides Mel herself that Davos has a real connection to so far in his two chapters. So I think we have to assume it's Stannis they're talking about. Yep. So we have Stannis killing his brother in shadow form, killing Sir Courtney Penrose in Stan- in shadow form. Here's where my 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 leading questions about not seeing Davos for eight days <laughs> come from. Mm-hmm. Do you think like it just becoming the Spectre exhausts him? Like he doesn't say in the tent. He doesn't say how long they couldn't wake him up for after killing Renly. Do you think he's mm-hmm. just done? Maybe he wasn't seeing anybody for those eight days. Maybe the Mel eight... had to like spend time not just like healing him, but like actually putting his soul like back into his body Mm, that's interesting i like that yeah no i I think that totally works uh especially when you get the description of stannis where he looks very haggard very tired almost corpse-like very pale um that sounds like someone who's gone through a, a severe ordeal is probably in shock right and we have this we have these other uh thoros um, you know, giving the kiss of life to uh, to Beric and him being somewhat corpse-like as well, not like a, a shell of himself. Yeah, he's right? all and thin and, yeah. Right. And we have Mel putting maybe his essence back in. I don't know if it's through a kiss or through a hump or, you know, what. But, like, she's getting his Stannis's essence back in via the, you know, into his body and he looks paler and haggard and corpse-like. It's a type it's of just essential. It's a type of essential oil that she puts in a diffuser, <laughs> and then like wafts over him. The thing that they can never prove, Matt, is how many of those essential oils actually stay with the body versus just kind of dissipate. <laughs> That's the problem. Into the air. 
they just smell nice. Um, I yeah. just lost us like how our whole essential oils listening audience. I, I brought it up. I brought it up. Um, when Melisandra visits Davos in prison later in the story, she says shadows only live when given birth by light and the king's fires burn so low. I dare not draw off any more to make another son. It might well kill him. Um, so it is having a significant effect. Even if she's able to put the soul back into him, like you're saying, it's something that truly does weaken a person. Like you get your soul back, but it's damaged at the same time. Maybe that's also what, what, why he's so serious. From? Sorry, Justin. Then I'll I said maybe that's also why he's so serious because he's lo- been losing bits of himself. Right. It's very Voldemort. But they talk about Beric that way too, right? That every time he comes back, and he says that I, f- I I'm different, right? Right, less and of himself. So he's less of himself. So maybe that's happening to Stannis as well. Every time one of these shadow creatures is made, yeah, yeah, almost like um, I don't know, vampiric or I, I wrote down maybe kind of like Thaed and like she's supporting him, but she's also weakening him, and yeah. making him like dependent on her. Um, I don't know. It's Form it's weird control. though because because all these things sound great and then you get her POV and you're like, no man, she wants the best for him. She really does. It's it's, it's yeah. crazy, right? All these things that we kind of assume and then we're like, oh no, she really Maybe is not. in it for him and she's in it for Davos too. Like my yeah. favorite part of that Melisandre chapter and one of the most revealing parts about her to me is the part where she says, I didn't send Devon south with stannis because i didn't want him to die and put davos through more pain yeah yeah i so that that chapter did a lot for me the mel chapter uh you know to to humanize her and make me see that she's she's more than just bullshit yeah but i think also she's she's just bullshit in a different way she's just wrong (laughs) so so here's here's just because she means well doesn't make her good Right. There's tons of people. I mean, without getting too political, I think a lot of the people that are wrong in this country right now about a lot of things don't have, some of them, at least a lot of them really, don't have bad intentions. Mm-hmm. They think they're right. They've been told a lot of things. And they, they're not evil. They just have the wrong ideas. And I think Mel has the wrong ideas. And I think the biggest sign of that is 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 just through the themes that George delivers in these books. George has gone to a great gone gone to great care to show us that men are gray, humans are gray, uh, and Mel dismisses that entirely in this chapter. She's talking with Davos and asking him if he's a good man. He's like, "Well, I've done good things, I've done bad things, you know, I'm I'm, I'm both, you know." And she says, "No, an onion with any rot has, is is a rotten onion." Right. And I think that's George's sign that. She dismisses that notion of of grayness. We should dismiss her her worldview entirely. She has some power, yes. Mm-hmm. She has some strength. She might be right about some things, but her vo- her view is wrong. That's my takeaway. Absolutely, because she makes it a compelling point, and I was like, "Huh, she's right. A bad onion's a bad onion." But the problem is, is an onion doesn't make choices. <laughs> an onion doesn't have motivations. An onion. an onion does have layers, though, and if you peel back that first rotten layer, 
you could still use the other bits. Maybe there's other bits that are still good. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I'm not an onion consumer. I'm not an onion guy. Can you pick out the bad parts and still eat it? Uh, yeah, if actually, you can. So yeah. she's actually even wrong with her metaphor. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Melisandre, have you ever even eaten an onion? Have you ever watched Food Network? Because Justin has. Thank yeah. God we had Justin on. We would have never answered this question. Well, I'm actually really glad you brought this up, uh, Scad, because it it led me to doing some research because um, it brought a question to my mind of what is a good man? Mm-hmm. Oh, and what do you consider a good man? Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. everyone seems to agree that Davos is a good man. Right? But what are, what are the In qualities the fandom, it's of a, a prevailing good man? opinion? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I did some research because I was bored and it was leading me down a weird rabbit hole. Yeah, Great. take us there. I'm so excited. Take us there. So, uh, my, my favorite one that I found was the Urban Dictionary definition of a good man. <laughs> so, let's start Word there. Of the day. Let's start good at man. the authority. We're, we're going to start here. Uh, a man that, despite his rough background growing up, continued to do good deeds to strangers. This could be any ordinary Joe, as long as he is not a dick. <laughs> That's all we I'll stand by Urban Dictionary most of the time. <laughs> That's yeah, a good definition. I, I, and, and this is what I found after, you know, looking at guys like Aristotle <laughs> and, you know, some other philosophers. Oh, we could get real philosophical here. Huh? <laughs> Yes, we could. We'll be out of our um, league, but we could. We could. But but that that was uh, the one I found more the most poignant. Um, just don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. And you know that is really what it boils down to. It seems like a low bar, but humanity not being onions, it's it's really what it comes down to. I was looking at old uh, Nietzsche, the philosopher. Mm-hmm. He, he has some famous treatises on good versus bad. And yep. his kind of main point, you probably looked at him too, Justin. But his main point was that the powerful in the world originally decided what good meant. Because it's yep. what they had. And they were the powerful ones. So what they did was good, right? And the poor people were the bad because they didn't get to choose, right? They were the slaves. And really... What I think it comes down to, though, in the end, is uh, is not being a dick. But if you look at where Melisandre came from, you can kind of see her black versus white point of view. I tried to put myself in her shoes a little bit. And this is a gal that we don't know a lot, but it appears she was a slave, probably horribly mistreated as one, and was rescued, as she sees it. She was saved. We're looking at like a salvation type story by religion, which is good. So she's had these very contrasting things that happened to her in her past, these experiences of light versus dark. And so for her, it probably does seem very black versus white, whereas she was held in servitude and pushed down for so long, and now she's free. And that to her is good and evil. Whereas Davos grew up in a situation where, you know, running around the streets of King's Landing, 
There's a lot of gray on those streets. He saw a lot of things happening, right? You kill somebody for some bread to feed your family, right? Um, and so for him, it's it. They're different learned perspectives, learned experiences, lived experiences, I should say, of both parties. Which, to be clear, I sided with Davos. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, when I say we can dismiss her. I don't mean that she's wrong for the experiences she's had. Sure. I just mean that I think in the end, her perspective is flawed and not mm-hmm. what George is showing us and yep. with the rest of the, with the rest of the book. But yeah, for sure. I can see how she got here. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of like what you're saying with, with Stannis even, right. People tend to follow, you know, the carrot stick formula <laughs> of how they behave. And, you know, she got a lot of stick and she got carrot with religion and she got carrot, carrot, carrot. And this is where she landed. And she's frankly, if I were her, I'd be very confident in all of my things. Right. See the future a lot of the time. Right. She's got these powers that she can use. She's to her from her perspective. It's nothing but positive reinforcement. And, and Stannis is seeing it with her now as well. He's had nothing but proud wings in his life. Um, proud wing being his his hawk that wouldn't fly his falcon that wouldn't fly um and and not being you know not succeeding and now finally the world seems to be opening up for him now that he's put his trust in her but i I do think it's her that he believes in and not and not her faith i think he believes in her and what she can do i agree and what she can do and not in his faith in her faith um, I'll attribute this to Steve Atwell, who I was reading a little bit of what he said on this chapter before this episode. He reminds us that some of the worst things that were ever done in history were done not out of, as he says, sadism or hatred, but out of loyalty to a bad cause. Absolutely. And you could you well, could you could point to both Melisandre in this, and frankly, you can point to Davos in this too. Davos, she's right. Yeah. Davos is morally complicit Absolutely. in what's going down right now. I have the same note. He can't he can't quite wrap his head around it. He can't face up to it. God bless him. But he is. Yeah, it's that old adage, you know, uh, the path to hell is led with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, both of them. I, I think I think both Mel and Davos believe very strongly that Stannis would be a good king. They both do. And they, they go about it a little bit in a different way. Yeah, why but, are you better friends, you two? <laughs> you both Davos, the same things. <laughs> but Davos, uh, he, he's doing these things in spite of his feelings. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do them. He's yep. doing them for loyalty. These are Mel's feelings. Let's kill this guy. Right? That's what she wants. Yeah. So I would... it's a... Go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. No, I, I think I was pretty much done. <laughs> I was going to say, what she's doing is, I would say, far more dangerous. Right? The holy warrior mentality. Yeah. Yes. Uh, because every murder, every quote-unquote sin that she commits is done in the name of someone higher than her. She's essentially absolving mm. herself of any responsibility because... Yeah. Her God commanded her to do it. And even as a religious person myself, I clearly see the danger in something like that. 
but there are a lot a lot of people usually it's religion but there are other things too yeah following a man following you know a different cause besides religion that that do see things this way my yeah. my cause is just i've been inspired to do it i've been told to do it it's not my actions i've i've been i've been influenced to do this and it's what i should do I'm not in control. I'm not. I'm, you can't blame me for this. Right? I I, a... I actually see that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You know, people who have committed heinous crimes because they wanted a fix. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they they have a an addiction problem and they don't really care. Right. So they they will do heinous things just to get their drug of choice and then expect that. You know, people are like, well, it's not not my fault. It's because I'm addicted to drugs. It's like, but you still made that choice. Yeah. You're... It's okay if this is a tough question to answer. I totally understand. But you're surrounded by a lot of people that made really bad choices. And maybe they made a string of bad choices. Or maybe they just made one really bad choice that led to a very severe consequence. What's kind of your take on this good, bad, morality, people are gray thing from your lived experience? Uh, I, I would honestly say that most people are gray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of us have done things that had something happened. We probably could have ended up on the other side of the bars. Mm. Right. You know, whether it's a speeding ticket you know, you missed a stop sign, you know, mm-hmm. every, everyone's done something that could have led them there. <laughs> and, you know, so, sometimes that's what it is. Um, I've also seen the other spectrum where, you know, I, I don't really see much good. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so that that's kind of something I struggle with a bit. I know it's out there, but sometimes it takes me by surprise. But I've also seen, um, you know, like a psychopath who there isn't a good thing in them, mm. right? They they are, for lack of a better term, evil. Mm-hmm. They don't care about people. They don't care. Um, and that can be a little disarming sometimes when you see that in their eyes. <laughs> That's got to be terrifying. So, and, yeah, and and that's neither of these people, no, nor Stannis, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are all people thinking they're doing the right thing. Actually, yeah. Davos doesn't think he's doing the right thing, but he's kind of doing it out of loyalty. But uh, yeah, I did want to point out one cause. Yeah, one thing that's funny. Uh, they talk. There's one point where. Stannis is kind of indicating to Davos why he believes in Mel and, and why he's certain that Penrose is going to die and the fact that she's seen it in his fires and her fire's never wrong and she <laughs> saw that if I came here I would I would meet Renly and Davos is like wait, wait a minute he wouldn't have come here unless you came here so you caused him to come here not her vision and he's like ah oh, well he did what he did he just kind of like shoves it aside <laughs> don't get the results don't me bother me with trifles Davos <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he points out that there was she she had another vision of Renly marching from the south and defeating him in battle. Hmm. 
and saying it's a it's a different it's a different thing that could have happened which is it does happen yes this exact thing happens it's not renly but it's his armor right and he marked and it's it's garland tyrell our boy uh in the armor marching north with renly's army renly's army and and killing him and it just it speak it underscores it underscores how having extremely strong faith in something doesn't make it right. Stannis has a whole story worked out to explain this was an alternate option that could have happened had we not come here and dealt with Renly. No. Nope. I know your story makes a lot of sense, but that's not what it is at all. It's actually this thing. So like you can, you can have everything explained. You can have all the things stacking up neatly for your brain to process and think it's correct and still be wrong. Just, and it just because you believe you. it doesn't make it true. Right. Yeah, she said, uh, Amaro, where Renly rode out of the south in his green army to smash my host beneath the walls of King's Landing. Which did happen, like you pointed out. It does out. happen. Or it does happen, yes. Just a, just a different guy. It's not Renly. Yeah. Yeah, we, and we also already touched a little bit on Mel saying that also in the flames... Stannis just kind of says to Davos again a little bit cryptically no she saw for sure that we need Edric she saw that in the flames we need him mm-hmm. and I'm wondering you know did Mel really see that or she just really wants his sweet nectary king's blood and so she's just telling Stannis she's right that. does she know that or, she can get him to do anything right. if she's just like us out in the fires right exactly or I saw a stake in the, trying to make it in the fires fulfilling prophecy yes what do you mean yeah. by that well, he, he's. It's a prophecy that's happened, right? So if you make it happen, the prophecy came true, <laughs> right? Yes, I think so it's, it's, it's a, one of Mel's it's, main oh my tools. Gosh, she was right. She was right. Yeah. Mel's Davos. <laughs> it's one of Mel's main tools with the with the um the the leeches right in the fire, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and the, and this thing with Renly, like it's predict this thing that will happen set the things in motion and yep of course look they happened yeah so i was right yeah (laughs) i am so smart you guys yep (laughs) do you think stannis knew about the mode of death for renly and courtney in other words did stannis know about the shadow babies in particular, that Melisandre would birth a shadow that would go and cut Renly's neck. Did he know that before it happened? I don't think he did. Um, even if Mel was brutally honest with him and said, this is what's going to happen, he's not the type to really believe in like the superstitious. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he still has tons of doubt in Mel when it comes to that, and he's just like kind of brushes it off and is like, okay, great. If it works, sure. Right. But he, he never actually seems to buy it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I think she just says, you know, I'll have an agent take care of it. And he's like, okay. Or just it. simply, Renly will die. Yeah. That's it. I, I, f- I feel like he knows he's. So when people say that Stannis is inflexible. I take I take issue with it sometimes mm-hmm. because I find him to be very flexible with information and yeah. with what he <laughs> what he requires to know and doesn't. 
and how he's willing to bend rules and not ask questions when he maybe knows he shouldn't. He knows. I when feel to like not ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I feel like he knows when he's given it up to Mel, and you know I don't know what sex act or massage or what is happening exactly in that tent to get that shadow baby in her and out of him and what kind of essence transfer is required. Right. But like he knows that he's conducting some sort of transaction, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think he, maybe he tells himself and that's what I mean about the flexibility. Maybe he tells himself, yeah, she sent a guy with a sword to go do that because he doesn't want his brain to have to deal with the supernatural side. Right. But he's very clearly looking the other way and and knows that he's got some sort of deal with, I don't say a devil, but deal with a supernatural thing going on. Mm-hmm. He knows this isn't normal. He's had sex more than once. I yep. hope. <laughs> I think he's getting it on the reg, man. Um, I met with besides Melisander. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good point there. Yeah, I agree with you with you both. I think he knew that he was making a deal with the devil, um, but he intentionally did not want to know the details. He seemed very uh, shaken talking to Davos about what he saw in the tent. You know, it, he's yeah. manifesting it as a dream, but it was actually really happening. I said it in the episode. It was almost it was like the shadow baby had a GoPro on its head that Stannis <laughs> was seeing. <laughs> And the GoPro was his eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Feeding directly into his brain like memories. A shadow GoPro. Yep. <clears throat> um, so he was he was shaken by that. I think it really bothered him. Uh, but even then, I don't know if he completely understood what was happening. I don't think he understood. Like, Melisandre gave birth to a piece of me that's like a demon that goes and actually physically puts its yeah. sword through Renly's armor and into his neck, <clears throat> which his armor is commented on in another chapter. I couldn't tell you which one as being really strong armor and really well-made armor. So not something that a Who's? sword would normally pierce like it did. Renly's? Yes. Yeah. Um, on the, the other, other hand, Stannis. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to move on a little bit from it. So what was your Me point? too. Okay. Well, I was I was moving on to a, a semi-related armor comment. Ooh. Mine is uh, another thing that leads me to believe that Stannis maybe didn't know what weapon he had available to him was the fact that he didn't use it on more powerful or dangerous targets. Like, if he knew that shadow babies could come from his seed and go and just kill yeah. basically anybody, why not Tywin? Why not Joffrey? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not and attack some of these high profile targets? Clearly he doesn't I, I think he's I, I get what you're saying. But I think also he's uh he's just too like laser focused. Focused on the immediate. Yeah. Yeah. But so like I get why he wouldn't also I think I think if he were to start thinking about that, he would have to start asking some pretty weird questions. <laughs> to melt like hey you, you know how Renly just died dude that guy you hired to do that could he go all the way to King the Westerlands to get Tywin how many times could would he... we have to screw in order to, to get, get him to the Westerlands <laughs> can it travel at daytime 
<laughs> the 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 swordman guy that you hire, I mean, you know, like he'd have to start asking really uncomfortable questions that he might not be willing to deal with to know the, the answer to. But yeah. I agree. It seems it seems like if this is his tool, because he's got so many disadvantages in this war, you'd think maybe yeah he'd use it more. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Arya was shocking. And you actually, what you just said supported that point of she was so laser focused on the here and now that she was like, yeah, use it on this guy. And we get upset with her. Why didn't you do it to Tywin? Why didn't you do it to, well, that wasn't her immediate danger as she saw it. And she was like a 10 year old kid, but yeah. So I don't think. Yeah. But but why can't Arya skate? We let, we let Stannis skate on this, but not Arya. You're right. No kidding. No kidding. But But if Stannis is also only perceiving it as nightmares, then he may not know right yeah Yeah, he was actually seeing the real thing yeah yeah i mean my my i'm sure i'm not alone my postulation is that he knows he knows it's more than nightmares he doesn't want to know what else it is Mm -hmm. and so he's not asking any follow-up questions because he likes the results (laughs) yeah i wonder if he had a similar dream about courtney it's never mentioned but no. I wonder if he ended up seeing Courtney's death too. It's a good question. I, I want to go now and read the future chapters and see if they comment on him being more tired and more gaunt. And It does say more. it a little bit. Um, Melisandre's yeah. really worried about him. You asked what chapter that one passage I read was in, and I didn't yeah. answer you. It's in uh, Davos 3 of Storm. It's when Davos okay. is imprisoned at Dragonstone. Yeah. He spent yeah. a lot of time in prison in the later books. He did. and melisandre you know i think judging by uh or this gives greater credence to the fact that stannis is about gone is melisandre's looking for a new a new host a new bed buddy yeah she makes like for a new battery yeah a new battery yes (laughs) yes with another man though a man whose flames still burn hot and high if you truly wish to serve your king's cause come to my chamber one night I could give you a pleasure such as you have never known, and with your life fire, I could make. And she kind of trails off, and Davos answers her and says, a horror. Man, that's so weird, because, like, if it's just, she goes on and on and on about King's blood, right? But then she's going to go with Davos and do this? Like, she's either just horny, in which case, you know, good for her, great, get, you know, get off. But if it's more than that, and she's trying to actually do something, like, why she could pick anybody she could just go down to the local bar and get somebody like if it's just any human seed right like this should be much easier for her than she's making it i think i made that point on our episode when we talked about that yeah it was either you or brooke that made up the point was like is is why didn't she just go like get with every joe archer or yeah um steven pikeman or whatever in stannis's army and just sire a whole bunch of shadow a whole army of shadow assassins to unleash upon their enemies i think the key phrase there is life fire Mm -hmm. with your life fire davos or he's got more than other men a man whose whose flames burn hot and high she says almost like there's this requirement and i wonder if a life fire is like a cause something Mm. that you burn for that you fight for that motivates you more than anything and that's kind of a requirement. And Stannis, maybe it's not something about his king's blood, but it's about that fire that burns hot and high for him, that he truly believes he needs to be the king of Westeros. For Davos, his cause is his family, his boys, giving his boys something better than he ever had. Mm-hmm. It's not just, 
you know, Joe Archer, the Stannis's Archer guy that just is fighting with Stannis because that's what he does. It's someone who truly has something to fight for. And so Melisandre's options are limited at that point because the life fire for Bryce Karen, for example, or Alistair Florent is probably fairly low. But for someone like Davos, who truly has that burning desire to make a better world for his sons, hmm, there's a candidate there, you know? So she's basically evaluating every human's midichlorian count <laughs> and deciding from there, is what you're saying. I, like I, I feel I like she also needs um, them to consent to it as well. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because she yeah. she's not just, okay, well, I'm going to strap you down and let's go. She She's get, trying to Shadow get him to you. say... Yeah, she's trying to get him to say, like, I consent to doing this with you so that we can make this end. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, that term shadow binding, like, it's thrown around a lot. Yeah. But, like, maybe that's all it is. I'm maybe. binding your shadow, your spirit, to me for right. a time. And when it's done, I don't know how it gets back. Like, does it take a taxi or whatever? I don't know. But uh, when it comes back, she can bind it back to that person yeah and it and maybe for, it's bound by this decision this consent too yes she can't take like it from it has to be like yeah yeah it has to be given yeah almost yeah, like that i'm sorry i'm using so much harry potter but what's that handshake that malfoy's mom does with oh uh, is it uh, uh, i think it's the, the unbreakable the vow unbreakable vow or whatever Something with like that. snape right isn't it with yeah. snape that snape yeah. will protect Draco. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. It's never bound kind of by them, magic. Never will. <laughs> the books are great. I've heard. Uh yeah, it's the shadow baby thing is super interesting. But what if what if the shadow baby also because they seem to disappear once the mission is accomplished, so maybe it doesn't she doesn't need to put it back. It's just once its mission is done, it's it's done mm. but they've only got so much essence in them yeah yeah maybe it doesn't even return to them right mm. kind of dissipates and it's like well if you're going to do this there's a cost to doing this and the yeah. cost is that you lose part of your soul yeah part of your essence yeah yeah and it's a heavy cost i kind of like that hmm. i like it too good thinking man well, and that is kind of a fantasy trope Ooh. too though right where <laughs> magic has a cost yeah yeah who, 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 though, would, ugh, I, I mean, I guess Stannis would. I, if, Stan, hard, if anyone's like, going to do it in this story, Stannis is going to do it. <laughs> I mean, I can think of a few maybe, but like, I, I, I wonder how honest she's being about how much is being taken, mm -hmm. I guess. But, I don't know, it's interesting. And Stannis, he feels tremendous guilt for it. He doesn't like that he he's does. doing this. Like, how many times in this chapter is he was like, I didn't do it. My hands are clean. Ask your son. Like, <laughs> yeah. just ask, you know, ask Devin. I was in my bed. And he says it later, too, when he's in the um, the map room at Dragonstone with Melisandre. It might be that same chapter where Davos goes up and he thinks that Stannis is going to execute him. But then he actually makes yeah. him admiral makes and everything. Him, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he says it there again, too. My hands are clean. I didn't. I didn't do this. Like... <laughs> I wonder, going back to Justin's point, I wonder if he feels like they're clean because he has sacrificed a part of himself, like 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 confession for a Catholic or like, you know, 
saying your Hail Marys or whatever, right? Like he's giving a part of himself mm-hmm. in order to sacrifice Renling. And so he's, it, it's like confession. It's cleaning his slate because he's also giving of himself. That part is gone right. is what you're saying. It's no longer even yeah. a part of him. It's separate it's, from him. And, and he gave us, he gave a huge piece of himself mm-hmm. for yeah. it. So it's, so Renly left. Yes. But I had to give a huge part of myself for this. Right. Right. So sacrifice for me too. Yeah. Right? I'm hurting too here. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. It's a, I like it. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to make light of your point, buddy. I agree with it. Actually. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys got anything else for this section? I feel like I hit most uh, of my points indirectly just through conversation. Yeah. I'm looking through things now and I'm like, covered that just kind of indirectly. So the one the one thing I had for sort of the whole chapter as a whole, I found it really interesting that the start of the chapter is talking about the shiny armor, the mm. sun, bright mm. sunshine, and it starts off very bright and sparkly, for lack of a better word. And at the end, it's all black seas, black night, black shadow baby, just how dark it's become within that wow. 20 pages sparkly twilight vampires versus traditional old shadow vampires yeah <laughs> and i just found that was a very interesting contrast in that chapter that everything's bright and sunny and then the next thing you know you're in a horror movie wow totally. i hadn't and made it, that note very cool justin and yeah, it, it kind of speaks also justin to the the uh accepted open view of how this all works yeah. and the backwater clandestine shadowy nature of how this really works yeah the backdoorsy yeah the backdoorsy, backdoorsy nature of it all and i yeah. think it's it's easy bright and dark i like it as you're starting to get to know stannis it's easy to get behind his cause and feel some sympathy for him and be like yeah stannis does deserve this and bright and shiny and then you go oh man yeah. But interesting that Davos, this just hit me, this connection, um, Davos's back ached from the unaccustomed weight of his armor, right? He's very uncomfortable yeah. in the bright and shiny yeah. situation. He wondered once more why he was here. Every man of the party was of better birth and higher station than Davos. And then... Yeah. And I'm not saying this is an indictment saying Davos is really a secret bad guy because it's going to come off that way. He's very uncomfortable in that first situation. He didn't feel like he belonged. Um, on the other hand, it talks about how at home he is on the water, right? Yeah, he didn't Which feel is where good he was with it. Melisandre. He didn't feel, it didn't calm him, right? He was, he was, he yeah. was nervous and, and anxious, but he did it. Yeah. Practically with his eyes closed. Right. And he loves I wonder, the water. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that speaks a little bit, you know, to, to make a metaphor of it. Uh, it's easy to be bad. It's hard to be good. Yeah. It's hard yep. for Davos to be in those situations <clears throat> on the outside and yeah. become the knight. Um, it, it's just a, a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Not that it's really harder to sit a horse in the middle of the day than to <laughs> navigate a boat in the middle of the night, but just it's easier to do the dark deed than the hard one that you're not used to, to, you know, the good deed. Right. But in the light. It, it could also just be as simple as that, you know, he, it's a job that he's not used to, right? He's never been that night. 
he's yep. now in that position and he's having to do the things as a knight, mm-hmm. right? They're they're doing a stand outside of Storm's End, so all the knights, all the lords are in their their bright shiny armor. So he's now got to fulfill that role, but his his entire life he's been on the water, yeah, yeah. right? You know, like but he also I, doesn't want to do it. No, he doesn't. It, it, it's kind of like uh uh. Remember when in the office when Michael spins off the other paper company and Pam comes with him and they go and they they recruit the guy from the the medicine sales company and they get Ryan back from the bowling alley and they start yeah. his other me- the mm-hmm. other paper company Michael Scott paper company and they and Pam does it because she's like I'm going to be in sales right and then like one of the first things that happens I don't remember the episode super well but one of the first things that happens is they ask her to make copies She's yeah. like, I'm I'm not the smuggler anymore. I don't make copies. I'm anymore. not I don't make copies. I'm not the receptionist. I'm not the smuggler. I'm a I'm a knight. I'm a salesperson. I want to be doing this. Even though it's hard for me and new and I'm not good at sales yet. I want to be doing this. I don't want to be smuggling. I don't want to be I don't want to be making copies. Yeah. yeah. But the fact of the matter is, Davos, that's what you're good at. You're good at making copies, Davos. And and by the laws of Westeros, you were you are a good guy, but you were also a criminal your whole adult life. Yeah. You were. And like it or not, this is what you're good at. And in addition to giving the, the two strengths that Davos brings to Stannis is his honesty and keeping it real. And the other is pulling off these clandestine things. So yeah. even if you don't feel comfortable doing it, it's what you're good at, buddy. Yeah, but but at some point... At some point, you don't stay at that job where the boss keeps asking you to break the law. Agree with that. That doesn't that doesn't keep you in that position where you're not growing, yeah. in that position that you're not interested in doing anymore. At some point, if you really think you've got a, a chance to do something different that you want to do, you leave. And and, maybe and that's but, where I'm landing is that Davos should have just kept sailing, and picked up his family <laughs> and gone to the SS. Because that's really what he wants in the end. That's why <laughs> yeah. he's kind of a tragic character. Is he doesn't want to be the guy on the horse either. He just no. wants to go home to Maria and the boys and be done with this. Yeah. But, yeah. He but, feels but like it's he funny, can't... too, that every time he think has that thought, Stannis promotes him. Yeah. <laughs> Stannis is such a good manager. <laughs> such a good motivator. Right? So, it's true. Every time he gets... He gets reminiscent about being home. Stannis promotes him, and his jobs become more important. Yeah, yep. he's like, "Oh, I get, I, I got, got to do this now." All right, yep. you're, you're not wrong. Uh should we sign off? I think I'm good. Yep. Sure. All right, Justin. This was a blast, my friend. Yes, yeah, thanks man, for having me. Great. This was great. Yeah, you gave me some really good things to think about with this chapter. And absolutely good. Yeah, good. Great. I'm glad. Um, we don't know who our next guest is, do we, Scott? Not yet. Yeah. Uh, I was going to reach out today, but I didn't get to it. So, eh, you know, this it'll is how be we somebody. <laughs> it'll be somebody. I'll reach out this weekend. But Justin, we'll add it. We'll add uh, your name to the annals of Davos Finger. Annals. The the I annals. It, <laughs> I called it what I called it, Scott. <laughs> what I said in Davos. Well, I better get a reach around for that. It's called annals <laughs> of. Uh, of of our little history so we're glad to have you man thanks for having me 
it was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, we're going to go with sign-offs now. So, Justin, if you got uh, any piece of wisdom or a quote or anything you want to lay down, go for it. I, I do, and it's one of my favorite quotes from Star Wars, from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? Dang. And I feel that that is actually very relevant in this chapter. With I don't know how you're Dab- about Mel or Davos or both. It could be either. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? Uh, mine is a simple quote as well. So this is Matt signing off with a quote from Yellowstone, that show I've been watching. And that is, uh, no one cares about how somebody won. They only care about how somebody lost. And my sign-off is going to be, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a long time for you to find your perfect match. And Davos has found his perfect match. And he's not going to let him go. Good night, everybody. <laughs> it's Melisandre, isn't it? It's totally Melisandre. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. Yeah, this is where we get our outtakes. So sometimes, oh, hey, sometimes. buddy. Sometimes. Oh, well, well, look Hi. who it is. Hi. This is, this is uh, Pippin. That's Pip. Yep. Yep. Hi. He can't hear us. Let me give you a real hug. But they're saying hi. We can hear him though. Good night, bud. Tell him we like to slave Wait one. A bit. Oh, they like to slave one, buddy. Whatever. He was really, <laughs> he was really proud of that. Should be. Um, cool slave one. I mean, in terms of the things that they build, it's it's pretty simple, but uh, but it was, it was so simple and yet pretty pretty effective. Right. Yeah. I look at those types of things and I'm like, why can't I think of that stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I don't have the instructions, I'm donezo. I'm useless. Yeah. It's um, a metaphor of my life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're really on one tonight, Matt. I feel like you might be. I don't know, man. <laughs> All right, well, uh, anything else on the announcement side? Do you want to talk books or movies or anything, Matt? Mm-hmm. Nothing like that? Nah. Have you been watching WandaVision? No, that's next on the list. Yes, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I haven't watched today's, um, but it's first next three on were, the list. Oh, I first did. First three were pretty good. Yeah, we're uh, we're gonna watch it tomorrow morning probably. I went, I went go. super anti geek. Everyone's watching Wandavision, and I just binged uh, Yellowstone. Dude, I've heard great things about that. <laughs> it's like The Sopranos, but with cowboys. It's oh, awesome. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I was like, ah, I'm not a huge Costner fan. You like Costner, right, Skad? Remember right? Aren't I like you a Costner right. fan? I like him all right. I like um, I like his sports movies. He does good sports movies. Tin Cup is a favorite yeah. of mine. Oh yeah, Tin Cup. He's oh come on, he was an excellent Robin Hood. He was an okay Robin Hood. He was fine. He was fine. <laughs> he was fine. He is excellent as old cowboy runner of an empire in Montana yeah. guy. Yeah. fantastic I, I i don't so i am not a country guy i'm not a guy that loves i, I don't like country music mm-hmm. i could never be caught dead in a pair of cowboy boots i've never been to a ranch i couldn't i can ride a horse but i couldn't do any of those rancher cowboy things but i have a weakness somewhere in me for 
for that lifestyle because I liked uh, I watched the whole series the uh, uh, called Longmire. Oh yeah, which was mm-hmm. which was pretty good. Yeah. Not not like amazing, but pretty good. Got Katie Sackhoff in it. Uh, I'm a sucker for The Ranch, which was a, a comedy with Ashton Kutcher. Oh, Kutcher that's the yeah on Netflix, their, right? Yeah, they're ranchers, and it was it's a comedy, but there were moments of drama that really kind of kept me going with with Elliot and um and, yeah, and and Yellowstone kind of draws me. I'm a sucker for that stuff somehow. I don't know why. And what I like about it is. It, it goes past the uh, the country aspect of it, and it's very, like, crime and intrigue and stuff like mm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, underhanded dealings and everything. But at the same time, they really lean into the country part of it, too. And they'll yeah. just show big rodeo scenes or big, like, just right. herding <laughs> cattle scenes and everything. So, huh. <clears throat> I think you guys would like it. It's good. Yeah. Uh, Don't watch your own Alan's... kids. Eowyn's parents recommend it, which is usually a death knell for me, but uh, I'll, give it, I'll give it a shot. It's got three seasons, and for me, who I don't, you know, I don't watch very much television. I think I watched it in like three weeks, so yeah, which is pretty fast for me. I went over the last month what, on which? a binge of something called "Are You the One," which I'm really embarrassed about. It's a MTV I dating show where one. they put. 10 men and 10 women in a oh, house. Scott. I know it's terrible. I feel so guilty about it. But like suppose they've done a bunch of like analysis of their personalities and asked them questions and in interviews and like talked to their exes and everything and supposedly they found a perfect match for every single one of them, but they don't tell them who. So oh. they have to figure it out over 10 weeks and it's just fascinating to watch these I mean they're freaking terrible people a lot of them and they're really bad at relationships. <laughs> And like just seeing them stumble through it, and if they do it and they get all ten right by the end, then they actually win a million dollars to share. And uh, I binged like four seasons of it. I'm re- I'm super wow. embarrassed by it. It's one of the worst things I've ever done. Is it? Uh, do, is the episode title spelled like letter R, letter U, T H E, and then the number one? No, it's like it's a Britney like, Spears song. No, do you remember like the 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 YouTube pop tour? You were probably barely born. Yeah, I know. But, but like the pop, yeah, that like was that, their... that kind of that kind of uh-huh. text, like the the bubbly letter kind of. Yeah, it's like bubble letter kind of lowercase kind of theme. But how cute! It's pretty terrible. How cute! And also, I highly recommend it. <laughs> we all we all have our shows like that. What's what's well, your guilty show, Justin? Absolutely. What's your guilty show? Oh, I like watching a lot of HGTV. Nice. Uh, home stuff. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's either that or the Food Network. <laughs> do you then go do those things in your home or make those meals? Or is it just oh, God, or is it just no. like, I could be like that someday? No, I'm envious of them. Yeah. I, I tried to replace a, the door on my bathroom and that failed. <laughs> um, it, it, it's up. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, I'm not a handyman. <laughs> yeah, one of the best lessons I learned about myself, I learned. I'm, I'm I'm proud of myself. I learned it pretty, relatively pretty early. Is that it's just better if I pay people to do those things. Mm. If I try it myself, it's going to cost more money, and I'm probably going to hurt someone. And it's not going to look as good. Yeah. Well, for sure that. Yeah. Let's call the episode the same fire where you left your manhood. That is Davos Fingos episode one oh eight. Where you left your manhood with Justin. 
Uh, it's too long how about just justin's manhood justin's manhood now there we're that that could become a quite different conversation i like it what we had renley's beach we're keeping the faithful sound great to me renley's beach with justin all right i'm gonna go get a refill of water and then we'll move on to the next section no you still got the wine you don't have any need to no, the yeah, wine no. is the wine is gone. Oh man, that, that was gone a while ago. Jeez, I mean, a glass of wine, Matt, that can be gone in seconds. Be right back. <laughs> go, go.